Ladies and gentlemen, may I present for your intellectual and philosophical pleasure Run Fast on Raw Dog Serious XM Comedy Hits Channel 99 The Ron and Fez Show, live on a Thursday. We're going to open up the phone lines today. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. This Sunday night, Oscar night, uh, we are on the social media and your chance to win some big, big prizes. The way this is going to work is if your funny line gets a retweet from us, uh, we'll hand out a big prize. Now, at the uh, as we're doing this, we're going to retweet a lot of the comics who have been on our show and maybe even some other comics out there. But your retweet will win you a big prize Here's just some of the stuff that we have. Gandhi, signed by Ben Kingsley. Gandhi, of course, um, a best picture, signed by uh, Ben Kingsley. Uh, how about this prize also? Ordinary People, signed by Donald Sutherland. Another uh, Oscar. Fantastic. Uh, King's Speech was an Oscar winner, signed by Jeffrey Rush. And then Midnight in Paris, signed by Michael Sheen. Neither won an Oscar. That one's stupid. Didn't that win, great like, price. screenplay? Or? Yeah, who cares about screenplay? Oh, screenplay's a great <laughs> fucking <laughs> Oscar. These are, the rest of these are best picture. That's the big one. That's the big one. The I Bang also was done if they gave out comedy Oscars. Uh, now, by the way, uh, do you guys think they should give out an Oscar for best comedy? No, nah, I don't think so. Not in not the Oscars. Not the Oscars. Yeah. Could, give comedy some love. And Fez? Yes, absolutely. People would love that category. I I think it's too stupid to give out to. What would you do? Best horror too? They I mean if it's really good, they put it in with the rest. You're exactly right, my friend. Then why does drama get the stranglehold on the Oscar then? Because the Oscars are about serious films. It's saying this is for filmmaking, not for movies. That's why they don't give out best slasher film. That's why you have a People's Choice or that lovely popcorn but bucket that MTV uh, gave out. Now, all the people from the iBang, uh, the editors, the writers, some of the guys here from the show have picked out if they did give out Oscar for Best Comedy, what it would be. Chris Stanley, in the last 65 years, just give me a year. 1997. 1997. 1997. Now, offhand, I remember that was Titanic's year. Am I correct about that? Yeah, that was Titanic. So that probably would have been Best Comedy. Because it is kind of funny. 
How is it funny? It's a well, tragedy. The, when Jack died. Yeah, when he falls in the propeller and blood's everywhere. All right, here you go. As Good As It Gets was nominated for a Best Picture, and that was a comedy. Full Monty, very, very funny comedy about chubby guys showing their dicks. Wag the Dog, brilliant. Uh, Jackie Brown, not really a comedy, but tons of laughs in that film. Laugh my ass off. Um, and Austin Powers. I remember that because for three years, Fez would go, yeah, baby, and then laugh after it like it was funny. <laughs> oh, behave. See, he did that over and over. And that almost passed for wit. Do you think that movie, if that same movie was released today, if it would be nearly as well received? Well, that's the thing about comedy. Comedy like pop music sometimes is very much about that era. And it was one of the, like, you look back of, on it and it doesn't seem as funny to you, right? Not near. Like, the third one, I think, 2002 it was released. If they made the fourth one, and they, I think it would, like, just get hammered. Even if they had the same formulaic jokes that they did. I, see, I don't know. I don't know, because I've laughed at every single one. It's like, in the same way, would Anchorman make, fun, make any sense outside of its time? Uh... Can people sit back and look at, like, Laurel and Hardy and get it at all? Where at the time, people were just fucking sliding out of their seats. They're just fucking... People were laying on the floor of theaters and swimming. Just fucking swimming across because they were laughing so hard. Look, I'm not saying Austin Powers isn't funny, because I still think like that's a hilarious movie. But if they were never released and the first one was released now, I think, like, no. It's hard People to say. It. It's really hard to say, but but they might even make it differently yeah. because of the time. Like, uh, if you look back in Austin Powers, he was doing like a lot of commercial parodies, and you know what I mean. Like, he was just doing lines out of different pop culture things that had very much to do with that time. What do you think, Chris? I still think Austin Powers is funny. I fuck. I think I, it's a scream. I saw it like twice in theaters when it came out. I, I, I would actually put the Austin Powers things. Up with the Peter Sellers movies of, you know, of the 60s. And again, you can show them to people and it would be out, you know, out of their time. Thing. I remember showing my kids the movie Arthur being like, this is going to fucking kill you. And they're like, why is he acting like this? This is stupid. And I'm like, but... <laughs> Don't you just hate Barry's one? You know, comedy is just stuck it up. It's like when you're like trying to fucking go for your kids. This is Bob Seger. Prepare to get your, <laughs> prepare to have your shit blown away. You kids like rock, right? <laughs> I'm the cool dad. Not moves, right, guys? <laughs> it's just one of those things. Comedy is very, very difficult to, um, to. To go. All right, so I'll let you give your thing. Uh, Austin Powers, Jackie Brown, Wag the Dog, Full Monty, good as it gets. I'd say Jackie Brown. That's hilarious, a great film in itself. And Is it a comedy? Yeah. Austin, uh, Quentin Tarantino, all his films have like comedy in they them. They have comedic things in it, but I don't think that they're comedies. You know what I mean? Like, they're funny, but not a comedy in the purest sense of the word. It's a crime film, really. I mean, that's I, what I it never is. laugh at it. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll watch Goodfellas. I'm fucking dying at it. But that's certainly not a comedy. 
and yet it's funny as shit. Fez, what would you give it to? Oh, I would definitely give it to Austin Powers, and I would give it one million votes. Uh, yeah, I know. Chris Stanley. Austin Powers, I told you already. I saw it so many times in theaters. I I remember 97 very fondly. I am going to uh, play the pretentious guy, and uh, I give it to Wag the Dog. I think that fucking film is brilliant. It was very good. It was very funny, but I think... I laughed more at Austin Powers. I would agree with that. I laughed more at Austin Powers, too. But I probably felt better in my subtle smiling at uh, Wag the Dog. And by the way, Wag the Dog is a movie I will watch every fucking time it's on. If it was on right now, I'd go straight into Best Stuff and just start watching Wag the Dog. Is, wait, is it on? Because oh, I'll hit a sweeper. That is really funny. We ought to do a thing one day of something happened. What would we go on Best of and do instead? Because <laughs> there's a lot of shit I would be willing to stop the show for, for my own entertainment. Uh, all right, so all these are up on the, uh, on the iBank. I- I'm going to go back one year before that. Swingers? Fargo, Nutty Professor, That Thing You Do, and then First Wives Club. Looks like we had some girls uh, putting in for this. I know Leslie gave the original thing. She'll be in tomorrow. Um, and we'll go over a bunch of these. And then Fezzi was very involved. A couple more people very involved in some of these picks. Um, that's a really good year, too. Chris Stanley, what would you pick? Oh my God, uh, I'm thinking. I, I I feel like Swingers is the is the is the movie that of those five. That's my that's my pick. It, I just laugh so much at it's it. It's a good year though. It's really. I mean, Swingers, Far- Fargo, Nutty Professor, that thing you do, First Wives Club. Look, I love Fargo. And William H. Macy's hysterical in it. His character, it might be something more funny. You know what? That falls back into the other thing that maybe, is that a comedy? You know, it's kind of a detective story. It's a, if it's a comedy, it's a very dark, just black comedy. It's just depressing, the funniest the, things the in it. The Nasty Professor's a black comedy. Oh. That's fucking racism, dude. <laughs> Seriously. That's just straight racism. I'm going to fucking give a 15-yard penalty, what? and you're going to be fined by the league. That knocked me out of field goal range. You couldn't hit a fucking field goal from three yards away. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, Fezzi, what do you pick? Racist? I'm As pick- a racist, what are you picking? Roots? When they fucking change the name from Kuta Kente to Toby, and you got up and started jerking off? It's <laughs> a good one, but it's not nominated. Why I'm- are you racist? You were never a racist guy. <laughs> What happened overnight? I don't know. He's Mr. Chow fucking confident today. <laughs> Everybody enjoying themselves? See you in the morning. Order some more things. I don't care. <laughs> Hope there's no blacks in studio. <laughs> See? I hate that kind of racism. Pepper, did you, you, you get any blacks to come in today? Um, you Go ahead, Fez. Don't let them fucking stop you from making your pick. Thank you. I th- I would give it to that thing you do. I thought it was the best comedy of that year. It's the one I enjoyed the most. Hysterical lines in it besides a catchy tune. Well, it's, uh, it's a very funny, sweet little film. There's no doubt about that. We're talking about what is a comedy. Like, you'd be talking about, oh, is Jackie Brown a comedy? We're all, like, kind of arguing about that. But American Hustle 
in like Golden Globes this year, that's considered a comedy. I know. And I would not consider that a comedy at all. I don't consider the Golden Globes an award, though. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a we're party. At we're at that fucking point. You're still going back and fighting on your thing. We're talking about that thing you do right now, and you're like, remember a couple of fucking times ago when you guys shot me down for Jackie Brown? I'm not done yet. I still like it. No, it's I ain't impression. done yet. What do you pick, Shelby? What's your fucking comedy? I'd say Fargo. Fargo's funny as hell. Everything that Cohen brothers do that... We should fucking do something for him. I'll do whatever they and want. And I even was laughing at some of the violence scenes. Like when Buscemi was getting his bare ass slapped with a belt. <laughs> I was fucking cracking up at that. Do you think they both do equal work, the Coens, or one's doing like 60 and 40? I think they're the same person. Like, the thing is, is one person doing work that the other person doesn't want to do. I think that's why they work well together. People think that partners do every step together, but the producing, directing, they, uh, and I'm going to quote your generation's biggest hit, Blurred Lines. They're Blurred Lines. Uh, Chris Stanley, what about for you? Oh, Swingers. swingers. Oh, you picked Swingers right off the bat. I would tell you this, Nutty Professor had one of the single funniest fucking scenes I've ever seen in my life. And it actually made fun of uh, comedy itself. And that's what Dave Chappelle was doing crowd work. And Eddie Murphy came back up and beat him up for being the type of person who does crowd work. And made fun of crowd work itself. But when he yelled, Reggie, you on your way, man! You on your way! <laughs> um, it was actually... Eddie Murphy could have easily gotten a fucking Oscar for that role, in my opinion. I think it's just one of those things where people don't give comedy enough fucking credit. I think I think he was amazing in that. So for that reason only, and uh, because Fez is a, a racist, I'm going to pick Nutty Professor. The iBang picked Swingers for that year. Uh, these are all up on the iBang if you want to go and play and give your opinions. Uh, it is uh, the Oscars. They didn't give out 80 years of best comedy picture. We'll pick up um, some of these again. Here's uh, James in Utah. You're on the Run of Fest show. Hey, Ronnie. The uh, My pick for comedy Oscar of all time has to be Blazing Saddles. Uh, what year are we looking at with Blazing Saddles? It's got to be early 70s, right? 74. 74. I didn't even know. All right, listen to this year, though. Um, Blazing Saddles went up against Young Frankenstein, the front page, California Split, and the apprentice of Duddy Kravitz. I would say that year is definitely a Blazing Saddles versus Young Frankenstein. Uh, Mel Brooks directed one and I think produced the other. And Gene Wilder was in both. Look at Gene Wilder's year. Does anybody think it's anything but between Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein? That's that's what it is in my mind. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. All right, who do you pick, Shelby? Blazing Saddles, that's a hilarious movie. A lot of shit you couldn't get away with today, but it kind of falls apart at the end. 
But yeah, it does fall apart at the end. What the hell? A movie in a movie? It's like me doing a character. Or <laughs> <laughs> you doing life? Uh, so what do you pick? Uh, I'd say. I say Blazing Saddles. Chris? Oh, Young Frankenstein. Easy for me. I love Young Frankenstein. It's not even a tough one for you. No, Young Frankenstein, it's it for me. Here's the amazing thing about Young Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Frankenstein! <laughs> uh, that movie is shot so well, it's fucking gorgeous. Yeah. It's really one of the most beautiful-looking movies that you'll ever see. I saw it when I watched it as a little kid. I was confused as to when this was made. Like, I, I, it just fooled me completely. That's That was the point. It's great. <laughs> it, <laughs> it worked. It worked. You've been fooled. The point was to fool children. Fez Watley? Um, I'm going with the Young Frankenstein, and if there was a comedy acting Oscar, Peter Boyle would have picked it up. For just growling? Yes. In the ridge. <laughs> um... To pick even in that movie, Peter Boyle over Gene Wilder, who was fucking brilliant in that film. I mean, again, it's when it, you could have easily taken the jokes out, and it would have been a great Frankenstein movie. It looked great, and Wilder was on the fucking edge, literally on the edge in this movie. Um, I I loved Blazing uh, Saddles. Was a big fucking joke repeater of that, but uh, I will never turn off Young Frankenstein again. If I looked up and it was on TV, I would completely go into best of right now and shut down the rest of the show. Done. Call and it a day. I would send Vito down the hall to start making me microwave popcorn and stinking up the office. Um, Johnny, you're on the Run of Fez show. It's uh, John, but uh, first movie that came to my mind, Animal House. Always holds up forever, and funniest fucking movie. All right, Animal House, 1978. Listen to this. this listen to this year. You got Animal House, Up in Smoke, California Suite, Foul Play, and Heaven Can Wait. That's a pretty goddamn good year. Uh, California Suite for the Neil Simon people because uh, there's always going to be that thing that gets certain uh, people heaven can wait is that kind of sweet comedy uh, foul play is kind of a rom-com and somewhat slapsticky animal house is a classic but for me up in smoke i mean in invented fucking stoner movies it's fucking so funny. It's unbelievable. It's I call it a trailblazer. Like got, I got you. <laughs> that fucking opening scene where they're all fucked up and parked in the medium may be as, as hard as I've ever laughed in my life. Now, on a cheat here, that was an asset movie for me. And I would laugh so fucking hard. I, yeah. What are you picking? I... Although Up in Smoke is a great film, I'd say Animal House. It, I mean, all these films today, you can see where they were inspired by Animal House. They're all sort of like these bro comedy films. It is a, it is a bro film. I mean, the, the big problem is we all love Animal House because of fucking Belushi. I love Peter Riegert. But the other guy... The the lead fucking guy Tim Matheson or whatever. Yeah. He's as big a dick as the guys that he's calling a dick. Yeah. He's not fucking cool. 
I'm I'm with fucking up and smoke on this one. Burn Chris, it down. Chris Stanley? Up and smoke. I love those two men too much. Fez Watley. Animal House. I think it's the perfect blend of comedic personalities all being brought out with Belushi, Flounder, Niedermeyer. I think I think it's the most hysterical. Okay. Um 866 Ron Zero Fez. 866 Ron Zero Fez. Uh, Dustin, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, what about Planes, Trains, and Automobiles? It's Ooh, got, uh, classic film. What year are we talking? Uh, that's going to be what, like an 86? 87. 87. Um, you know, this. Just like the real Oscars, you fucking look at this. We're dividing our vote, which you wouldn't think. Listen to this year. This was a fucking great year. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Raising Arizona. A film that doesn't have a single setup line. Watch that film sometime. Every fucking line in the film is a punchline. Moonstruck. Broadcast News. And Good Morning Vietnam. Jesus. That's a great year. This might be one of the greatest years in comedy. Uh, Fezzi, I'll let you go. Um, for 1987, the comedy Oscar goes to Good Morning Vietnam. Hysterical first half of that movie. You could do it with just Bruno Purby. You fucking gave it away, though. Hysterical first half of that movie. It starts to get a little heavy, a little pretentious... And the fucking scene where he's crying and, you know, showing how great it is to be on the radio because you're helping people is fucking embarrassing. Embarrassing. There are scenes when he's... Plus, does a lot of that comedy hold up where he's just doing the stereotype voices? Hey, man, how you doing? Hicks? Uh, I'm going Moonstruck. Is my comedy Oscar for that year hysterical? You're a romantic. I love the movie. I love the film. Uh, the scene where he's screaming, I lost my hand, is one of the fucking funniest things you'll ever see in your life. I'll live forever, that scene. It's too funny. Um, all right, I'm finding out they're sending us down some stuff. Let's take a listen. They're sending us imaging. Academic wishes to meet woman who's interested in Mozart, James Joyce, and sodomy. Needle nose Ned, Ned the head. Come on, buddy. Case Western High. I read somewhere that their periods attract bears. The bears can smell the menstruation. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. But you don't understand, Osgood. Uh, I'm a man. Well, nobody's perfect. House is a fucking prison on planet bullshit in the galaxy of this sucks camel dick. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. I'll have what she's having. Ladies and gentlemen, the Ron and Fez show presents the Oscars they didn't give out. 80 years of best comedy pictures. Uh, we're on 1987 right now. Who sent that down to us, by the way? That was from Greg. Nice job, Greg. Greg's fucking strong. Oh, he's the man. Um, I'm stunned by the people I do a show with that would pick Good Morning Vietnam and Moonstruck over planes, trains, and automobiles, Raising Arizona, and Broadcast News. Man, those are fucking three great ones. Uh, what are you taking, Shelby? 
Raising Arizona. I I love that film. Just I'd never really. I didn't know what, what to expect going into it. I remember when I watched that, and I remember just loving it. It's insanely great. And um, who's the guy who made Shaun of the Dead? Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright has kind of based his life on that film. You know, that was that the camera is a character. It's moving fast. It's, you know, it's coming 100 yards away right into a fucking funny punchline or a yell. God, that thing is shot so crazy and funny. And it's really smart for being, you know, uh, a weird comedy. But is there a Thanksgiving since 1987 that I didn't watch planes, trains, or automobile? Has there ever been a time that I wasn't road tripping with someone that I didn't fucking feel like I was with John Candy? I love this. You're watching that movie, and then you suddenly just get reminded it's the '80s when like the synthesizer just kicks in. He's running down the street, <laughs> like bow, 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 Yeah, bow, but bow. what about with the whole "Every time you go away"? That's fucking strong. When he brings him home for Thanksgiving, Niagara Falls, Frankie Angel. Um. Broadcast news is fucking amazing. The iBang, I'll just tell you who they picked. Congratulations. That would be, I'll tell you who the iBang picked as the Oscar goes to. We just said congratulations. Let's take a step back. Um, the iBang picked broadcast news and the Oscar goes to broadcast news I think I might have to pick Layton's Drain I wouldn't know I'm going to pick Raising Arizona I fucking did it made the right choice yeah I had no choice Uh, Matt Matt in DC you're on the Run of Fest show hi what's up boys first of all plane trains and all of this was unreal Uh, my pick is uh Vacation, Chevy Chase. What year was Vacation at? Uh, 83. For some reason in 83, we only have four in there. Same with 82. All right, why don't I do this one for you? Give you 1984. It's a fucking strong year. Listen to this. Ghostbusters, Beverly Hills Cop, Broadway Danny Rose Splash and this is Spinal Tap Jesus holy shit I how do you make a pick there I don't know what's happening holy shit um Shelby who are you picking this is Final Tap is a really like innovative film for its time, just doing that whole mockumentary thing. But Ghostbusters, that's a classic. Beverly Hills. Yeah, I'd say Spinal Tap. I've watched that and quote that just to myself to this day. Have you ever seen Broadway Danny Rose? I have not. Every comedian loves that fucking film because the film is old comics sitting around a diner telling stories and one of the stories they tell is about this bad agent named Broadway Danny Rose it's basically shot right here in this neighborhood 
It's really a fucking great film. Splash should be an awful film. I mean, it's ridiculous. And it's so sweet and and cute and kind of romantic. And it made Tom Hanks a star. Uh, John Candy, another killer supporting role. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop basically turned Eddie Murphy into a comedy version of Elvis, Michael Jackson, The Beatles. I mean, he that movie got so gigantic that it took years for Eddie Murphy just to become like a regular person. I don't know whether he's ever really come down from those heights. And Spinal Tap is a movie that I, I may have watched more than any film. I know I've watched a lot more than any home movies that I've had. Well, it's near and dear to your heart. Uh... And by the way, Bruno Kirby in that film also destroys um, when you've lived and loved the way Frank has. Fucking limeys. God, this is strong. We'll have to pick up some of these tomorrow. Um, I gotta go Spinal Tap. It's too goddamn brilliant not to. Um... Let's get you over there so we can do some of this great programming. You know, we got a lot of great imaging here. We should be playing it. Um, let's go over to Matt. Matt, you're on the Ron and Fez show. Hey, Ron. I'm calling because I just want to talk about the calibration here. Are we talking the funniest movie of the year or the best movie that happens to be a comedy? See, that's really up to each person, you know, because Shelby made a really great point that funny doesn't always hold up, but good filmmaking does. So naturally, people who saw some of these films in a theater are going to hold on to them a lot tighter than people uh, than when you went out and laughed. And some of these comedies, I remember and going to Anchorman. And it being really crowded, and it didn't get a lot of laughs, but then I ended up watching the movie like seven more times and thinking it was hysterical. So comedy is a very elusive thing. That happened to me with Zoolander. I went, the first time I saw Zoolander, I was like, this is all right, I guess. But now I, just, now I never turn it off. Isn't that weird, though? Like... What, what kind of mood was I in when I was watching the first time? I don't know, because a lot of times with a comedy, you kind of show up expecting to see their last movie. Right. You know what I mean? Like, who knows whatever kind of mood you're in. Uh, so, yeah, I guess it would be up to the person, Matt. Why, where do you see the difference in? Well, here we go. Let's talk planes, trains, and automobiles and broadcast news from 87. Broadcast yeah. news is one of my top ten favorite films, my favorite James Brooks film. I will watch that any day of the week. And aside from Albert Brooks getting drunk and all of a sudden deciding he likes his pretentious music that he's supposed to like, I don't belly laugh to that movie. But if I watch, you know, if, if I watch the, the other one, I'm, I'm, I'm literally belly laughing throughout that film. It's a funnier movie to me, but broadcast news is the better of the two. The weird thing is, in Planes, Trains, and Automobile, the funniest scene to me, and there's not a joke in it, but when John Candy is playing fucking dashboard piano. <laughs> I don't know why I find that the funniest thing ever. Just the fact that someone could be enjoying a song so much. It just fucking slays me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess it would be up to... 
the vote. Um, in the case of that, the Oscar went to the comedy Oscar went to broadcast news. Um, you know, we always bitch about '80s movies, but they didn't do too bad when it comes to uh, comedy. They did pretty fucking strong for themselves, comedy-wise. Um, Dave, Dave in Columbus, you're on the Ron Fez show. Hey, Ron. Yeah. I got one. Before the Zuckers really got famous, they did Kentucky Fried Movie in the late '70s. What was that about? Seventy-seven, seventy-eight. Yeah, seventy-seven. And that was um, that was one of those movies that uh, was like literally a cult film. And had the airplane humor before airplane. Yeah, and that was nineteen seventy-seven. Yeah, I think John Landis did. All right. Now, look at the other films, though, in 77. The Goodbye Girl, which won Richard Dreyfuss an Oscar. Another one of those Neil Simons. Smokey and the Bandit, which was uh, a real original kind of redneck comedy before we even had that. I mean, Burt Reynolds was the biggest movie star in the world. High Anxiety, another Mel Brooks. Annie Hall, the last film ever to be a comedy and win the Oscar. And Slapshot which is fucking amazing. None of those uh, went in. Let's see who the Ibrand gave the Oscar to that year. Congratulations. Why don't we have the Andy Comedy Oscar go still? We don't have that one from Greg yet. Well, why are we hitting congratulations as if that's it? That doesn't make fucking sense. Let's just stop the imaging part completely. Go have your seat. Just fucking point it out if we don't have it. It's insane. Uh, they gave it to Annie Hall, the eye bang. Of course, you have to. I mean, it was the actual best picture. That film I've watched a trillion times. But Slapshot is the fucking just fall down, break your face funny. Bad luck for slap. I mean, it's bad. I, I fucking love slap shot. It's just a bad luck for it to be in that year with Andy Hall. And those three brothers are still going around making money to this day. Good for them. Doing those characters. It's all up on the uh, iBang. Um, really, really strong stuff. Jay, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie, uh, I want to talk about another year that has a couple different comedies, 1980, with Caddyshack. Um, you had Airplane, which was a different breed of comedy, and also Blues Brothers, which wasn't that laugh out loud, but just was a was a great movie. All right, 1980. Um, Caddyshack, Blues which Brothers. Is, which is great. Stir Crazy, which has some fucking hilarious scenes in it. Airplane. And then 9 to 5, another one of those girl comedies uh, that, you know, Hicks loves. He's still fucking Jack in the Moonstruck. Sure look good. Airplane is probably, out of all of them, the most quoted movie at the time. But because people play golf, Caddyshack lines get done every fucking day. Every day, because there's golfers. Yes, we get it. No, 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 no. It's in the hoo. I've never been on a golf course. I haven't heard fucking people do that. Kids, old men, it's in the hoo. So I got that going for me. Here, here he is. 
had a gush. Come on, Dad. Just, just uh, hit it already. Fucking Obama quoted it the other day. Um, I'm going to easily give this one to Caddyshack because Paulo was in it. Yeah. The only problem with Caddyshack is Caddyshack 2 was created out of it. You, you can't do that to people, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Godfather 3 does not take away how great the Godfather was for me. Very true. Hard Rock Johnny, how are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm a little, I don't know if I like Caddyshack over the Blues Brothers in 1980. All right. I'm, I love the Blues Brothers, but it's really more of a musical. Yeah, I guess. And can I tell you something else? The car scenes go on too long for me. Yeah, the car chases and the flips. I mean, to be honest, the Airplane would really be my favorite out of that because it's one of my all-time favorite movies just because it is the so quotable. But you're right. The golf course thing kills the quotability to make so much higher for Caddyshack. Yeah, it is. Uh, Airplane did not hold up because so many of those things got done afterwards. And now you're like, I see. You're just ripping off other movies. That's stupid. You know, it's like little fucking scenes from uh, like a sketch show. Mm -hmm. So it's good to see you turn on Caddyshack and then come back around and suck Caddyshack's dick, Jenny. How's it taste? Well, what really, what really got me was your what you just said, Ron. Is that Polo was in there, and that's really Polo fucking destroyed in that movie. And I believe that was his last studio film. <laughs> Obviously, he's gone on to shoot movies on his iPhone, and now his musical career is tubing. He's gonna get there. He can't get there from here. All right, Jenny. Later, boys. Love you, pal. Uh, David, you're on the Run of Fez show. Uh, yeah, Ronnie, my movie is uh, 48 Hours, but uh, all this John Candy talk, do you remember uh, Only the Lonely with Alex Sheedy? Yeah, that's love like a that little movie. rom-com that, uh, that was actually on this month. Oh, was it? Yeah, I love yeah. that movie. Yeah, but Jim, uh, Jim Belushi plays his best friend. That's correct. But, uh, yeah, but 48 Hours was uh, my pick. What are we talking about, like an 82? I think it was 82, exactly. This was the first movie. All right, this one is one where we were lacking. Night Shift, which was funny. Tootsie, which actually was nominated. My favorite year. Oh, they have Diner and Victor Victoria. That's a fucking strong year. But my favorite year is like maybe my fucking favorite movie in the world. Uh, 83, here's what we have. Zelig. Trading Places, Big Chill, Educating Rita, and Vacation. Another strong fucking year of comedy. You know what? You start to look at these comedy movies, and they're better, probably, and more competitive than the Oscars themselves. The fields are so much stronger. Here's another thing that I'm doing to myself, though. I am allow I'm going, well, you know... This guy's never gotten another Oscar. This guy's has, so I'm going to give it to this one. <laughs> the same shit that I get mad at the Oscar people for doing with dramas. They deserve it. What would you give out that year? Listen to this. Zelig, which is great. Trading Place is great. Big Chill actually got nominated for an Oscar that year. Educating Rita is, is great. And that English film, like every year an English film goes in. And Vacation, which is... You know, a comedy classic. I'd have to give it to Trading Places. Yeah, Trading Places. Just every scene is great. Eddie Murphy, 
hasn't even been really in the business that young, long, but he's like putting all his guys in it still. That was his first movie, right? That's a fucking brilliant movie debut. And I mean, go back and look at that. And you're right. Eddie Murphy's probably younger than you are now, Shelby. I think he was 19 when he got SNL. So he had to be 22, 23 in this movie. Maybe not even that. Maybe about 20. 21. He did that after 48 Hours. Train Place was his second movie in 83. Okay, 48 Hours was his first movie, right? That's a fucking brilliant fucking debut. How old was he there? He was 21. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unfucking believable. 21 years old. And training places healthy. kills me for two reasons. Number one, Dan Aykroyd is basically playing the Gene Wilder role in that. Yeah. And slays it. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's tits all but steal the movie. Again, we get the great Jim Belushi coming in. Um,. And Philadelphia is showing off in a really lovely way. All right, I'm giving it to Trading Places. And I hate to do that to Vacation, which is really another movie that I feel like I have to watch every summer. Like, the summer's starting, we should put on Vacation. Trading Places is also a great transition in comedy movie, because you also have Don Amici and Ralph Bellamy killing it in that film as well. But what did they do when they were younger? I know everyone says that they're like, but I only know them from that point on. Like what? Oh yeah, and then cocoon after that. Right, but you're you're bringing up that thing. Like, what did Ralph Bellamy do when he was in his thirties? Do you know? No, I don't. Don Amici. No. I don't, everyone always says, "Oh, what a great generational thing," but we only know those guys as old men. It's just one of those things that gets repeated over and over and over. But why? Why was that a big thing that those old guys came back and did that? I never got it. Um, Jack. In D.C. How you doing, buddy? Hey, Ronnie. I've, uh, I've never been so in danger of stroking out while from laughter in a movie theater as watching the Royal Tenenbaums. I will tell you this. When the Royal Tenenbaums came out, I actually had to sit on, a, on the fucking steps to watch that film. And I'm like, ah, fuck it. I'll just sit on the steps. I was down in Union Square. It was that packed. They oversold the house like it was a fucking Rolling Stones show. <laughs> what is this blood on you? Oh, don't, don't worry. It's just dog's blood. <laughs> uh, what year are we talking about? 2001. Uh, Space Oddity? Tenenbaums. I still haven't gotten a thing yet of what did Ralph Bellamy... And Donamichi do when they were younger. I don't know if they existed at all before they did that one. Um, and it was great to see them drop the N bomb in that. All right, Bandits, Legally Blonde, Ghost World, Bridget Jones's Diary, and Royal Tenenbaums. This is the easiest one we had yet. Okay. Easily, I think it's four to zero in this room, and the I Bang picked it. The Oscar goes to the Royal Tenenbaums. As it should. Congratulations. All right, we're going to pick some of these up tomorrow when Leslie uh, comes in. She did an amazing amount of uh, work on this, particularly the really early stuff, the 1930s and 40s, 50s, 60s. Uh, 
There's also a great uh, iBang thing up of the uh, Earl did this one about uh, Marty Scorsese and Leo DiCaprio and their new love affair. They've done five movies together. I guess Earl loves them. Yeah, yeah, he he likes the pairing. I would like to have the government step in and break up these two. <laughs> it's been 12 years they've been working together. I think I love them both separately more. Scorsese said, though, I think that DiCaprio sort of like revitalized his energy for making movies. All right. And and I'm sure that that's true. And I know that they love working together. And I know, I know that they lo- love... Um, you know, I know Scorsese loves the fact that if he green, he can get a movie green light pretty fast because he has DiCaprio with him because he's a draw all over the world. But without even trying, I'm sure if I picked their top five movies, right, I would not pick any of the ones that we've done that they've done t- together. I think they've done better work before they start to meet each other. Certainly Scorsese, and I'm going to guess even DiCaprio. Because oh. I don't think he does anything as good as when he played that little retard. <laughs> Get out of that bathtub. That was the greatest fucking role maybe anyone's ever done. In the last 12 years, Scorsese only made one movie without DiCaprio. He made that children's movie that I still haven't seen yet. Yeah, and I think he wanted to cast DiCaprio as the kid. It's a love letter to the movies. Yeah, I'm, I didn't read it. I didn't read the love letters to movies. <laughs> For me, it's like getting a love letter from a fucking listener. I'm not going to read it. It's like a cease and desist to movies. It's, oh, it's, been, it's been odd. It's been an odd pairing. I, when they did The Aviator, I was like, okay, this is cool. All right, let's see some Long of the Donamichi stuff. Um, Three Musketeers, Having Him Wait. Down Argentine Way. And Bellamy made The Awful Truth with Cary Grant and his girl Friday. All right. So, yeah, that's up on the iBang, the Marty Scorsese and Leo DiCaprio love affair. And what a love affair it was. He's never going to stop making movies with him. Um, yesterday we were in a very funny situation when Vito came through with his class. Vito came to Sirius XM on a class trip. Send him both my interns. Play their intern music then. There's the kids. Um... Some reason, Norris is uh, is dressed like she's singing for In Excess in nineteen eighty fucking seven. Throwback, throwback. Thursday. The old sliced um, jeans. Yeah, I know. He that. was talking about my jeans. Well, He's like, where did you fall? Like, where did you fall? There's oh no my god, Vito! <laughs> no, you missed it yesterday, Norris. I did. I did. I heard about it though. Vito came in with his class and his teacher. And was walking around Sirius. Now, did you put that together for your class? No, I just like read an email that was like, we're going to Sirius next week. <laughs> and I was like, fuck. <laughs> That's like the one day off I have. <laughs> I guess I'll be there tomorrow now. It was so <laughs> funny to see you walking around with a class. And then they're like, oh, this is where this happens. And I was like, yeah. 
I know already because I'm here every fucking day. <laughs> <laughs> so we brought in the class and we started to lecture them, and we put Vito over like a million bucks. Yeah, we showed off uh, some of the stuff that he was working on. You're going to ace that class now. Did they know you worked here? Um, yeah, the teacher did because when I like I, I had to get to the class late, and I was like, "Hey, like your class looks interesting for me. I'm like an intern at Sirius XM." She was like, oh, okay, cool. And then, like, two weeks later, she's like, hey, we're going to Sirius XM. Can you, like, help anything out? And, like, I was just like, I don't know. Did she end up having a good time here with everybody? Yeah, she, like, Cousin Brucey stopped him over I there. I saw that. That was so sweet. <laughs> yeah, and, then, like, there was just, it was pretty cool. But By the way, I've seen Cousin Brucey anytime there's a tour. We'll work to them. I saw him working inter- an international tour one day and trying to say, like, where each country came from because uh there's a film uh writing school downtown it's the one that you see it's like the new york film new school yeah yeah you always see ads for yeah. it oh, yeah. and then like they came in it's like argentina france italy it was like seriously like a u.n school and so none of them would have grown up listening to brucey and he sat and worked those kids like there was no tomorrow it was really funny it was a it was a weird experience i mean i was in a boardroom and chris Pointed at me like <laughs> after they did their tour, they brought up to, to the boardroom upstairs on thirty seven. What the fuck do you have left to tell you? You were here for like five hours. Yeah, they gave me. <laughs> it was the slowest tour I've ever seen. Take they gave place. me. They gave me a mug. Yeah, and a Sirius XM cup. What? Yeah, I got. I they weren't going to no give me cups. anything. They were like, "Oh, we don't have enough prizes, or enough gifts, or anybody." And you work here, and I was like, "Okay." And then they were like, "Oh, we have enough. Do you want either one?" And then I was like, "I don't know. Give me the cup." And they go, "No, you know what? You work here. Take two. <laughs> that was great. It was a big group. It was nice to see you guys lined up down the hallway to get a free juice and/or soda. <laughs> I actually, right before that happened, I snuck off to like go get myself a water, and then we ended up going to the kitchen. It was really awkward that I already like had my water. double water. I know where to get water here. I know so. where to get everybody. <laughs> I know where the water happens. You guys want and some blank was, CDs? Were you nervous when we were in front of your class, though? Because you were shifting your weight from foot to foot. What and then mean? I was pointing out, like, why wow, you're so beloved. Oh, no. Why was... you have a big future. <laughs> and then his teacher was asking stuff like, is social media important for what? And I had to answer questions like that. It was really fun. So then his teacher, this is the weirdest thing at all. She goes, hey, can I get your phone number? And, you know, there's a lot of stuff that we could. I'd be like, that's the strangest thing oh, she's, ever. She's trying to hit on you for sure. I hope not. I hope that's not where it's going because this has to be a safe zone for the children that are in here. Look at you getting numbers. So here's the thing. I, oh, speaking of which, who were you working the other day? Some tall, thin guy up against uh, Shade 45. Oh, that's my friend. No, that's not your friend. Where did you meet him here? (laughs) He's my friend. No, he's, um, we hang out. Like, he's my friend. Did you bring him in with you? He's my cousin's friend. Did you bring him in with you? No, I didn't even know he worked here. It's a great friend. (laughs) I was like, you work here? He works here or he interns here? I I don't know. I think he's an intern, I guess. What's the difference, Fez? Because workers can't give uh, exchange digits with interns. Digits. What about professional athletes? (laughs) That's disgusting. (laughs) No, he's my cousin's friend, so you know I hang out with my cousin and we always hang out. So I was like, oh my god, you. She just said hump. She (laughs) just corrected herself. (laughs) What else? can't stand this guy. Well, you guys are having a nice social <laughs> life. Can you guys do me a favor, though? If you get the chance and there's some fun that you're having, include Shelby. Cause no. Here's the problem. 
Shelby went out to dinner with us last night, one of Fez's 28 dinners that he he owed. We went to Mr. Chow. No, we would invite you guys, but we can't take you out to a drinking thing. And Chris Stanley drank so much that was frightening. (laughs) Chris Stanley, I looked over at one point, he had a Chivas on the rocks, a beer... Yeah. A sparkling water <laughs> and a cappuccino. He had four beverages in front of him. I get oh thirsty. Gosh. I like to keep hydrated. And he had one of the drinks on his empty plate where a meal should be. <laughs> <laughs> I like scotch. So then, what were you drinking? Uh, it was Maker's Mark. Maker's Mark on the rocks. Okay, Maker's Mark. So, fucking Shelby orders the same I'll have what Chris is having, right? <laughs> he sits... <laughs> You know how it comes in that like little straw, but just for you know mixing. Yeah, just a stiff. Shelby tries to drink through it. <laughs> Every time he takes a drink, he winces <laughs> and then starts to pat his chest as if there's a fire in his chest. <laughs> and finally, I just take the drink off him as it's getting watered down. Give it to fucking Chris, who drank it in two gulps. <laughs> Tastes like I was getting shot. <laughs> Have you never That's had possible. bourbon or whiskey before? I uh, have not. Why would you have ordered it then? What? Just, just wanted Chris to think I was cool. No, that's the exact opposite of cool. Be- not being able to finish your drink is a, is like taking oh a long God. trip away from cool. I got a full glass at the end of the night of fucking of bourbon. Should not have taken that exit. Um, Chris, you drank more than that. I don't know whether you remember. Oh no, no, yeah, no. But I'm saying, just his glass was basically still full when oh, he yeah. got back. When he got, oh no, yeah, I was banging two at a time. I was nursing it. That was nursing. You took two sips and then never attempted again. There's like four. And you, you abandoned it. You weren't really big on your food either. I nibbled. You eat like I a fe- bite. I feel like he never eats. I never see him eating. He can't eat apparently. Oh, you know, you know what he told me, and you guys don't know Mm-mm. that it was his birthday. What? Oh, <laughs> it was come his birthday. On. One when? of these days. A couple and he weeks didn't ago. say it. Why would you fucking <laughs> say that? I don't do birthdays, really. <laughs> I Shelby, there's something it. wrong with you. Did you hear my 30th birthday? Is that how you I was there. <laughs> oh, yeah, he was you there. You had the same birthday. <laughs> I think mine have been a lot more nursing at that giant jug of whiskey. But you always say that you drink or you smoke herb, but you really barely do anything. I don't drink. I do smoke a little herb. <laughs> so I got there about 6 o'clock. Chris would already bellied up to the bar. Everybody was there. Fez comes to me. He goes, I'm worried about Shelby. So I'm like, where is he? He goes, he's back in the bathroom. I was dropping some heat. What? We have to leave pretty early. Uh... Fez is constantly worried about you every time you go to the bathroom. We he lose you. That, yeah, we lose you during meetings for long periods of time. Uh, it's candy Crush, you know. Why do you keep an eye on the guy's bathroom breaks, though? Because it's because it's all of a sudden where Shelby. He's and, in the bathroom. Yeah, still. I mean, it's a really long. I mean, we're getting twenty minutes to a half hour in the restroom. Play some Flappy Bird. What do you? <laughs> what would you like him to do? What what are you saying by the statement? No, just let me know if you need a half hour in He's the morning. He's going to the fucking bathroom. <laughs> Sounds like Fez is accusing him of having a drug problem. What are you saying though? How long would he know? How long he needs to be in the like, fucking? Go to room? other 
I'm not in there a half hour. I go do other stuff. I mean, I'm not, I don't have to go right back. I plan my breaks. I'm worried that his gland... Well, he didn't tell us about his birthday. I'm worried that this gland thing needs to be taken care of. But why would the gland be tied in with the fucking bathroom? It's a different thing. It's not I my don't asshole. I don't, we don't know that. And I don't know whether he's in there being sick or shitting, or if he needs some help medically that he needs to get taken care of. And again, like his birthday, or he doesn't have a bed to sleep in, he's not telling us. Do you think that he's your child? I go go take a piss and then come back and say, okay, guys, now I'm going to go uh, to the booth and cut <laughs> some stuff up. And just go do it all at once. So he's saying he's not in the bathroom as long as you're spreading these rumors. He's definitely in the bathroom that long. Hmm. He, he's he been telling me this for a while. And we were almost late for dinner because we lost him last night in the building. We couldn't find him. He wouldn't answer his phone. I, this building is, like, really weird. You, I, this, My phone would work in here. I go to the kitchen, and they could text me five times. I'd get none. Why are you only obsessed with him? Not Chris, not Vito, not Norris, not me. You're just obsessed about where he is and what he's doing. I know where everybody else is. Chris what? tells me when he if he's going to go. He uh, tell me I'll be back in 15 minutes. You tell him poop break time? If, I'll say, "Hey Fez, I'm going to go take a shit." Right <laughs> he's got no problem with it. But why why do you have to tell each other where you're going? What you know, you guys aren't exploring a cave. You're working in a fucking office. Yeah. Who tells people where they're going? Hold this cord. <laughs> Keep it tethered to me. Don't let go. <laughs> I don't understand, Fez. Just in case you fall in. Two tugs means pull me back in. <laughs> I don't understand why people would tell each other where they're going. Because we're supposed to have pre-show meetings, and when someone leaves for a half hour, that's a big chunk of time before the show. All right, all right. <laughs> Whoa. So, fiber. would you rather, if he just told you how, like, or text you, like, still in here... <laughs> didn't halfway out. <laughs> not going as fast as I thought. I think that would be considerate. Yeah, you don't find that a little is. weird, though? Seriously. No. That's nuts. Who does? I've never done that with a human being before in my life. I've never fucking texted anyone and said I'm still in the bathroom. <laughs> Nor do I remember since maybe I was two saying I'm going into the bathroom now with any other human being. I always get texts from Chris saying I'm in the shitter. I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll right, text you dick yeah. pics. No dick pics. Don't say, hey, Fez, be right back taking a shit. <laughs> or, Fez, Why? I'm shitting and pissing. Back, thank you. I don't to be weird. But, well, I don't understand. I don't understand what you get knowing that he's on the toilet. I don't know what this information does for you. What do you need him for? If we're in the middle of prepping the show and going over things that he needs to know... And he's not around. And plus, there's just personal he, worry about his health, because I know he doesn't tell us things. He cares. He cares. How bad is your health with this gland thing? Not bad at all. When's the last time you went to the doctor? I've walked into the office when you are there, and you're making horrible grunting no noises when you think nobody's around. Do an impression. That's trying to... That's just like... Terrible at my job, but I can't figure out how to do software stuff. <laughs> Can I, while you're beating yourself up, neither one of these assholes has trained you properly. This is awkward for everybody. In yeah, it is. You notice that they both didn't defend themselves. 
they he just can come assume. and ask me. I've trained him I, to do no, things. No, you don't come and ask people to be trained. They have to be trained. There's a training period with a new employee. Shelby will tell me he has it, and then he and then he might not. So Who does that sound like, Chris? Oh, God. That's what he has learned from you. That's, you shouldn't learn that. To lie. No. Let's do a training period with him until he's comfortable with everything. All right, I'll go to the All bathroom right. with him, too. And you, Fez, how, how do you not know the difference between I'm aggravated with the software and I'm suffering from a glandular problem? It sounds all the same to me. At Why first, I thought just... maybe he was a bad singer and he was singing to himself. Why didn't you ask him? <laughs> if you ask him, he's just going to uh, turn away and say everything's okay. Why is that? Just like when I asked him specifically if he had a bed the night he didn't have a bed. Oh, Again, you're not in charge of his home life. This is a work thing. you got to have some kind of boundaries. You don't see the lunacy of it's up to you to, to tell people whether his bed got delivered or I'm not? I'm not Leo DiCaprio to your Scorsese. Say we don't always this have is to the be problem. into things. There's a no, problem they that, probably communicate. There's a problem of obsessing a little bit. He does have private time, which includes sleeping and bathroom. That I don't think his boss needs to check on. Imagine if he had like a boyfriend... No. Fez, like, and this is how he treats. This is how Fez treats Shelby. I'm only bringing this up because I had another producer before that Fez got completely obsessed with, and I want to stop this a little early on. When he sleeps and where he sleeps is not your concern. His bathroom breaks are his private time, whether it's one or two. Okay, he's on his own. Yes. Yes. <laughs> He's on his own. So when he comes in the next day after telling me everything's fine and, oh, the next day I never slept because I had to sleep in an office chair, fuck it. Yes. I, don't, I wasn't complaining. I, didn't, I wasn't making excuses. Yes. Why would that? That would be true. Just like I don't fucking call Chris Stanley and ask him if he's gotten his vegetables. Chris Stanley sleeps on the floor most of the time of his life. I haven't gotten the vegetables because he the way. can't make it to the fucking bed. Wow. And I've never seen him eat anything green except for old pizza. So why don't you? Why aren't you obsessing on him? Oh, I think I know why. He's not a cute twink. <laughs> This place is a mental prison. That's what I worry about. I will try. If I Why know when you you're this? going, I can schedule the meetings around those. Is, I don't is, think that's too much to ask for. Is the meeting the same time every day? Yeah. All right, I'll be at the meeting every day. That you can say. The meeting is this. From this time to that, how long does the meeting last? It usually it we work on production stuff and then we go over everything together. So I'd say it probably lasts uh, forty half hour to forty five minutes. I would cut that way down. There's no reason three people should be sitting together. By the way, the the office that you guys use is the worst setup in history because you all have your backs to each other. 
It's really fucking bad. It's it's strange. Like fucking, sh- I'm talking sometimes to Shelby, and he's not even there. What you really need is in the bathroom. You should tell them that Good you'd one. like to have a big table in the middle, and the computer screens to be set up there, and then people can talk to each other, see what you're doing. But the fact that you have your the backs to each other is one of the reasons why you guys have communications problems. The other thing is short meetings. And then let people go work on their own. There's no reason for 45-minute meetings to go on under any circumstances. Short meetings, and then give Shelby his assignments, and then let him go do it at his own pace. That's fine with me. Well, then that, that's what I'm saying. And let's not... It's not up to anyone else to know whether their bed got delivered or how long they're in the bathroom. That's uncomfortable. That's queasy. That means other people, you know, should answer me back, and that just I won't bring it up again. Obsessive. Why? Are you, why are you mad about it? I'm, I'm just not mad to... about it. You try to, you know, help somebody. You know, he's sick. I'm not. He's sick. not shitting because of his gland. <laughs> the gland is swollen up. It has nothing to do with his digestion, and he needs to get it cut out. He's already been told that. It's not like, oh, God, this is going to explode at any time. It's like, hey, we should really think about doing something, you know. It's, we can do it in a few months. Don't freak right. out about this. Anyway, they weren't calling me. Get in here now. <laughs> no appointment. Just get in here. We'll, we'll send an ambulance. <laughs> they say you can't drink or you just don't like it. <laughs> I'm really told to drink out of a tiny stirring straw. palate. <laughs> You act like you were fucking drinking kerosene. <clears throat> so fucking it funny. It tasted like kerosene. It tasted good. Baker's Mark is a delicious brand liquor. It's really good liquor. It's top oh, shelf. Sure it is. We can go that far. At the only time fucking Chris uh, buys it, what's on somebody else's thing? <laughs> Usually it's Cuddy Sark or Jim Beam. Uh, hey, John, you're on the Run Fed show. You know you can bake cookies on the dashboard of your car? Oh. Fez, I'm taking a shit right now, but uh, I'm looking at recipes on my cell phone, so this might take a while. Thank you for letting me know. That's really uncomfortable. Bob in Illinois. Hey, Bob. Hello. Yeah, go ahead, buddy. Fez wants, Fez wants to know where Shelby's in the bathroom so he can go jacket thinking about his pants being down. Well, then I would have been in the bathroom, too. Uh, <laughs> Um, Fez, I picked early. Our three o'clock meeting has been canceled. <laughs> you win. You picked exactly at three. I said three o'clock on the dot. I knew it would be canceled. We can watch Young Frankenstein now. We were having a nice, fun show, and then we came in the. Shelby's bathroom habits. So weird. We were, we were talking about the nice dinner we had last night. And now Shelby can't drink It was a lovely whiskey. dinner. Like a man. We were old school in New York. Oh, it was, I had a, an amazing time. Such a fun night. There was waiters going in every which way. Uh, Mr. Chow is old New York glamour. But kind of heroin chic you know, in a weird way. The room is beautiful in there. It is. But it's older, and it's like a uh, like a time zone thing. And really, you miss the best show that happens there, uh, that these Chinese cooks come out, and then they make the noodles in front of you. And they, 
It, it's really, really cool. Oh, like spinning around or whatever? Yeah, they oh, spin it awesome. around. They stretch it out. I mean, it's really great craftsmanship. But we were, ate there so early. Pace packed out. Well, it's restaurant week. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was totally full. We, there was wasn't a free table in the house, but although we left. it was restaurant week, but I I think it was very close to the same meal that I've eaten there. When they don't, because they just bring out all kinds of different food from everywhere. Is it like they walk around? Yeah. Is no, it... they just bring it and they set it up and you start eating family style. Oh. But I kind of was pissed when I was leaving because I looked over and they were carving a duck and they make the best Peking duck in the world. Oh. But they say it's not the best thing for you. So. And I know Fez was keeping an eye on Shelby. <laughs> Should have ordered a duck for the table. And also bring a duck over here. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get another whiskey and another beer? Thanks. A cappuccino. You know what was really funny is like you were trying to whisper to the waiter because there were some <laughs> people that would think I'm with a table of people not drinking, um, and think, I, you know what, I'm going to not drink or drink light. He fucking slammed like Lee Marvin. <laughs> When you're still ordering drinks during fucking coffee time. I had a, a dessert beer. <laughs> what beer was that? Sing Tao. It's the only beer they had. Otherwise, I just get a good Budweiser. Fucking Budweiser, yeah. Right, calm down, Vito. Keep it classy, bro. This is why you weren't invited. Because you would have had your shirt off in there. No, I wouldn't have. It's always one of the more interesting parts of the night when the bill comes and you see what the bar tab is. Because it's all uh, as a percentage of the total bill. What percentage was it? I would say it was 40%. What? How expensive was that? I mean, it was a healthy glass of whiskey. (laughs) It's very expensive to drink cocktails. And this was restaurant week, so the entrees were like, I don't know, 30% of what they normally are. Damn. Thanks, Fez. (laughs) You're welcome. You guys would have like a way better time if I was there. I know that, and it would have really been fun to have both you guys there, and I wouldn't a heartbeat. But the HR thing would freak out about that. Sucks. I would have you there. Maybe sometime after you, you know, graduate, we give it enough time. Like what your college professor is doing with you. Well, yes, we're going to do this, but I want you to wait eleven months, and then here's my number. Call me. But yeah, you guys could get in trouble, and Chris would get in trouble. They would never put me and Fez in trouble, but they would blame Chris on everything. <laughs> I would be gone. You know what I mean? They would have like, no problem. The host did something terrible. Get the producer down here. <laughs> I'm all about the Brazilian barbecue. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, oh, yeah, you did Brazilian barbecue with your chick the other night. You had a good time? I fucking, I've been there like four times already. I love it. Like, they just bring out tons of meat. Yeah. And, like, you could just eat as much. I take, like, an hour to, like, stop eating to get hungry again. Well, which one of these streets is Little Brazil? I didn't know there there's, was a- Yeah, there's a, one of the streets around here is called Little Brazil, and it's all Brazilian uh, restaurants. It might, be, it might be this. I mean, I went to the steakhouse I went to was on this block. What, is it further oh, down? Pharma, it's 46th. Like, 46th Street, oh. yeah. So, yeah, since you like Brazilian food, walk down there. It's all Brazilian restaurants. 
And there was a thing where uh, one of the many Ronaldos was in New York, right? This was like 10 years ago. And he was just walking around New York. And it was cool because no one was bothering him and he's a big star. And all of a sudden he walks and he's walking down the street and people just go fucking run. <laughs> oh my God! It was like if you were in fucking China and George Clooney was riding a bike around. You know what I mean? You just bumped into him. So they all come running out of these restaurants. He's like, what the fuck is going on here? How did I suddenly get so well known? Yeah, they're very big in the barbecue, and they put it up on that weird thing on the table, right? Like, no, they, they like they hang the meat. They come over with like a skewer with like meat on it and a knife, and like you have a chip that's either red or green. Oh yeah, I've one of those. And like you just keep the I keep the green open the whole fucking time, and they come over and they go, "Do you want some of this?" And like they just cut it right off on your plate. And you just eat as much as you possibly can, and then there's unlimited sides, filet mignon wrapped in bacon, like mm. I I can't get over it. <laughs> I ate so much last time that the guy tried to like slickly take away my token. <laughs> <laughs> tried to bomb it. Yeah, like, talking to you. No, like I'm sitting with my girlfriend. I like look at the table. I go, wait, where's my token? And then the guy overhears me and he goes, oh, here. And he comes and he gives it back. This is a permanent red light table. <laughs> yeah. Don't fucking take away my meat. Why are you looking at me, you <laughs> weirdo? Vito, careful. Here's how they make the noodles. It's really, oh, it's, so cool. yeah, it's an incredible craft where you, you couldn't do this if you probably had years to practice. And it was literally when the guy's done making the noodles, uh, the, the whole room applauds for him. They should. Yeah. It's yeah. great. I've uh, seen something, yeah. I booed once. I just didn't feel like <laughs> they were really good noodles. <laughs> Slacker. These taste off. Um, but Fezzo's has 27 more dinners. So really, we could do this once a week and would probably right to the end of the year. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's just fucking crush it. Well, it's not always restaurant week, so Mr. Watley will get lamer and lamer and lamer as we go along. Hangover Thursdays. Yeah, until we're a fucking jack-in-the-box. <laughs> <laughs> and you just get a 40 to put on under the table. It could be like a thirsty Thursday. Oh, you drink. I do. You're a nice girl, though. From what not she like says, she gets hammered time, drunk. But I do drink. Well, you don't take any drugs, do you? No, no drugs. Good. Don't drink. I'm. You have a nice complexion. I want to end up like Chris's, where it's all. I have great skin. I see the shower. You don't drink. That you, you were sweating yellow last night, Chris. I don't Chris. drink that much. But uh. I drink How does that happen? Oh God. Uh, James, you're on the Red <laughs> Face Show. Hey guys, uh, Ryan, quick question for you. So you're concerned that the interns coming and having dinner might be an HR issue, but fucking Fezzi. Worrying about Shelby's bodily functions and other things, that's not going to be an HR issue? Not as um, long as I'm showing concern. Yeah, I th I don't think it's his business. As a boss, it's not your concern. That's, that's his business. Uh, as an owner of a business, I know I would get in deep shit if I told my employees, you know, anything about their bathroom habits or shit like that. You can't do that. It's why I'm actually stopping him now, because Shelby doesn't know this, but it can get way worse. Sounds like it. Yeah, it can get way worse. I'm uncomfortable just thinking about it. 
Don't want to go down that road. No. Can we ask him when he's going to have his surgery about the days off? Why don't you let, that... me, why don't you let me handle it? That, it's yours from now on. He, he knows that I'm not sexually attracted to him, <laughs> and I'm just going to ask him as somebody who's like concerned about him not masturbating on him. Jesus. Now, this is the kind of stuff that we couldn't have said a little while ago when he was an intern. By the way, he's supposed to be like your leader. How's he doing for you guys as intern leader? Does he come in and give you anything or is he too nervous? Wow, what are those looks at each other? It's called dead air. <laughs> <laughs> You've never seen it from this fucking point. It's no, weird. I haven't. It's weird, right? It's very odd. Yeah, I had to get a full length mirror. cringy faces. Yeah, yeah. I had to get a full length mirror. Um, so no, he's not working with you guys? You have you say you say stuff. No, God, I'm just say. Anything. This is a safe place. This is safe. a safe place. Everybody can talk. We already said that Chris is a bad boss for him. Yeah. Is he not working with you guys? He's just rude, and so is Vito. They're getting I, they're getting so annoying. Like I can't even take it anymore. Especially Vito. He's getting really really rude. Well, I'm what? telling you to do the most simple things, and you act like it's like I'm teaching you how to launch a rocket ship. No, I don't say anything to you. If you tell me to do something, I do it. And you give me an attitude. Or you're rude. Or you say something rude. Like what? I can't think of the top of my, top of my head right now. But you're rude. Are you really serious that they're mean to you? Yeah, I'm very serious. Shelby, you can't have that. These are great interns, and they should be getting training, getting some mic time, getting some stuff on the air. They're giving of their time. Why can't you train them and make them part of things? I am training. I just think, you know, finding a clip of what Jimmy Kimmel did last night is not that hard of a thing to do. Have I complained about it? I do it. Yes, but I, it doesn't I'm take asking a you if I'm doing it right. three hour tutorial on how to do it. Okay. You're mad for real, huh? Are you really? Yeah, I'm serious. Do <laughs> you feel the same way, Vito? Vito takes everything lightly. <laughs> we gotta, we gotta start talking about ourselves in the first person. Maybe I should take train Nareesh. You're going yeah. to train yeah. Nareesh with me now. Chris is brilliant at this stuff, and look, Nareesh, I want you to have a good experience here. And I, you're really upset for real, huh? With Vito too. He's been so rude this oh whole week. Lord. He's been rude. Vito. That's false. I'm a nice person. I know. Tuesday, I could not stand you. I couldn't stand you either. Okay, you guys have got to work together. This is this is one of the things that this isn't school. This is work. You guys are interning, so you have to learn. You got to get along with people at work. You know, you got to make it work. I'm nice. I think that you're nice too, but I heard you yell at her one day, and I don't like that. I did yell. He does at her. that all the time. I don't yell at you. Don't all the yell. Time. Yes. Work together. I have a loud, Calm. boisterous voice. I know, but that's not a good thing. To scream at someone. And look how I put you over and lied in front of your teacher about how great you are. <laughs> so that you have a great chance in this. And I go, I, I can't imagine this kid getting anything more, less than an A. I implore you. By the way, she called me like 1 o'clock in the morning last night. She was drunk. And I'm like, you, I go, yeah, I, you get my number from Fez. And she wouldn't drop it. She goes, so, well, who am I calling you? And I'm like, just go outside there and just talk to that guy. You're going to get the main number of this place. This has gotten weird very fast. All right, we're going to break here. 
a lot more to get into. Uh, Jeffrey Gurian is stopping by today and bringing uh, Artie Lang with him. Artie Lang is going to be in here today. Um, and we got a lot more coming up, including the fact you can be winning big, big, big on Oscar night. Just get snarky with us if you get retweeted uh, by Ron and Fez SXM. Yeah, you have to include at Ron and Fez SXM in all your tweets. And what time is this starting, Shelby? Six o'clock? Yeah, I believe that's when the Oscar red carpet starts. All right. It's included so, in it. Now, do you watch the E red carpet or do you watch the ABC red carpet? I go with ABC. Okay, so that's an hour before? Yeah, uh, ABC red carpet starts at 7. E red carpet, I believe, starts at 6. Well, let's do 7 o'clock then. Um, and are you counting the after shows and then Kelly out there in the morning the next day? No, just wrap <laughs> that up after the... Here's some of the prizes we're giving out. King's Speech, signed by Jeffrey Rush. Midnight in Paris, uh, by Michael Sheen. Ordinary People, by Donald Sutherland. Gandhi, by Ben Kingsley. And that's just the start of it all. All signed by these people. Follow along and make sure, if you retweet it, by Ron and Fez, SXM, you will pick up a great prize. And also, Shelby will be retweeting some of the great comics that are on the show. By the way, Ted Alexandro killed on Conan last night. Killed it. Um, we'll be right back. Run a fest show. Ron Zero Fez, 866 Ron Zero Fez. Coming up in a little bit, Jeffrey Gurian is stopping by with uh, truly one of the funniest people out there, uh, Artie Lang, uh, coming in today, which is cool. Uh, 866 Ron Zero Fez, 866 Ron Zero Fez. Now, we got in a discussion the other day, and this could be your chance to win some prizes. And it was a discussion after the show where, you know, sometimes when you get peppered with a couple of big deaths right after another, it makes you think of which one got to you most. Now, Egon 
died the other day. And did any of you guys know that Harold Ramis was even sick? I had no clue he was ill. Didn't know. Uh, and you were telling me how sad you were. And I said the weird thing for me, and I felt bad too, but I'm like, that when Philip Seymour Hoffman died, it was a sadder day for me. I was actually sadder that day, and there was nothing I could do about it. One caught me by surprise, but by the time Harold Ramis died, I'm like, well, at least he was somewhat older, and he had his family around him. Where Philip Seymour Hoffman, you felt like you were going to get a lot more great stuff from him. You know what I mean? When I went to the front page of Drudge Report and said, the actor, Philip Seymour Hoffman, dead, I felt like I got punched in the face. I felt the same way. I texted you. As soon as I found out, I texted I you immediately. Hal Ramis, it's terrible and it's sad, but Philip Seymour Hoffman was a sadder day for me. Because it was just, like he was like, what, 46? Yeah, he was 46. And just the whole way that he died made you feel... Um you know, just awful about it. You know, it's just something where, you know, you just read that Ramus had a chance to, you know, talk to some old friends. His family was with him. 69 is certainly gives you that extra 15 years. 69 is still too young to die, but you feel like, okay, a lot of his big work and appreciation happened early in his life. But, Ramus was sadder for you. Yeah, it was definitely sadder. I mean, Philip Seymour Hoffman was the bigger shock, but uh, Harold Ramus was much sadder because I just, all those memories of going to see those movies uh, me, got me. Right, but you don't have that with Philip Seymour Hoffman. I didn't see as many Philip Seymour Hoffman movies. Oh this is God. the weird thing where he's saying it, it was a shock more. I saw him in the Super Bowl. Yeah. He never mentioned it. Other people were talking about it, and he just let it go by. Oh, my God, Fez. All right. Philip Seymour Hoffman. I'm going to give you guys one right now, and this is what we, this is the awful thing about us. <laughs> we start to get into a conversation. What's going to be a Saturday for you? <laughs> if Pete Rose dies or Joe Namath dies? Oh God! What's a Saturday? Saturday for me is going to be Joe Namath. Broadway Joe, just uh, the big personality and thinking that that light went out. Because he always, even, you know, with his troubles, when uh, he had... Dude, that light went out a long <laughs> time ago. It's not just a bottle. Uh, I'm going to be somewhat happy when the Hit King got, dies, because I know he goes into the Hall of Fame after that. See, no, I'm, that's going to make me sad. Saturday is Pete Rose dying, because he's not going to get to experience it. I'm sure. No, he, they'll never give it to him. <laughs> like, come on. They will never give it to him. Then don't give it to him if he, if, after he passes away. Just don't give no, it to him at all. then they can give it to him, because he's not there to appreciate <laughs> it's it. Disgusting. Saturday, Pete Rose. Alright, so we got into this, and then we uh, it went on way too far. <laughs> it went on way too far of how in depth where we're going you know Fez Saturday your brother or your sister dying what's going to be a Saturday which brother your younger brother wow um that's going to be a uh, my younger brother will be a Saturday for me <laughs> what do you guys think who are you picking it's so awful and so terrible. But some of these, like some would come up and, you know, you can't be like, okay, what's going to be a Saturday? Muhammad Ali or Potsy Weber from Happy Days. You know right. what I mean? Like, yeah. That's just too much of a slam dunk. So 
866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. If you can make us ponder it, if you can make us battle it, let's play Saturday your chance to call in and win a big prize. Uh, We've actually, did Greg put this together? This was James. Well, James, our just production team, has put together... Let's play the long version first. Okay. Instance, and I never thought I would say this, but for me, John Lennon dying was a sadder day than George Harrison dying. Wow. And I think I will be sadder both days I am than when Paul McCartney dies. Because I feel like he got a better run than either one of them did. Yeah. I think I'm just going by the length of the run with <laughs> well, them. Well, just the way John died. I mean, come on. John died in, the, in an awful, terrible, shocking way. Um, blow hard. God, what do you got, buddy? Here's a good one. Eastside Dave or Black Earl Douglas? Not even close, Eastside Dave. This one, yeah, yeah it's not even worth uh, debating. Yeah, It's a sadder day. Yeah. Matter of fact, I would be sadder if then... If Eastside Dave spilled his lunch tray, then <laughs> if Earl died. Earl is um, just sweet release for Earl. Sean, and... <laughs> yes. I was going to say, finally, he's in jazz heaven. Uh, Sean, can you give us something to debate? Michael Caine or Gary Oldman? Wow. The problem there is, again... Um, and I'm, I'm going to be totally honest here. I'm not going to be that sad with either one of them because of the shitty uh, things that they made later in life. You know what I mean? They've made their later in life films were so much more embarrassing. And I don't feel like I know Mike uh, Gary Oldman. I feel like I know Michael Caine somewhat. To me, this isn't a, a, a good enough one for a prize. Uh, Gary Oldman's in like the new Planet of the Apes movie. I don't know why. Yeah, it gets shittier and shittier. Doing He's that. making what I'm starting to call De Niro fucking choices. He's yeah. in RoboCop too. Like, Thank what you. are you doing, dude? Right. I think he's in, yeah, the Planet of the Apes. I mean, I get the iconic, like, he can kind of do something good with Batman, but for these other ones, there's nothing there. Um, let's go over to Amy. Amy in Pittsburgh. Hi, Ron. Hi, Fez. How about Robert De Niro or Al Pacino? Uh, this is this is one worth debating. This is simply one worth debating, and I'm going to just I'm going to go fast and do it on gut alone. 
I'm going to feel sadder when Al Pacino does. Yeah, I, that's what immediately what I felt. Plus, I rode up in an elevator with him once. I never fucking any. That'll lyrics. do it for you. When <laughs> I've had that fucking problem. <laughs> this is why the Oscars are so messed up because they go out and meet people. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I I do have more of a tendency. Like if De Niro did our show tomorrow, I'd be like, no, I'm going to be sadder if De Niro does it. But I just went with gut. I didn't even try to figure it out. You're going into the big ass prize closet, Shelbo. What about you? What's a Saturday? Al Pacino for me. I mean, I've tried to, I've tried to defend Robert De Niro's like films because he was so brilliant earlier. But I mean, he's doing like straight to DVD things now. It's getting it really ridiculous. is. And then I just saw in the paper that he's worth three hundred fifty million. Jesus so it's, Christ! It's not even like he needs the money to go around and do this stuff. It's gotten to be like an OCD, and when you have an OCD, you just got to stop it. Pick and choose, Rob. The weird thing he did early in his career. <laughs> uh, for Saturday for me, Robert De Niro, because I think you also lose a big part of New York City, a big New oh, York Al, first. Al Pacino isn't. Uh, Al Pacino is? lives right around the block. I'm looking for Al Pacino all the fucking time on the street. And I had an elevator ride with Robert De Niro. All right, so this has now come down to elevator rides, or just copy. ripping me off. Let's me uh, off. let's hear the shorter version of the song. Saturday feels so dark. I really think I'm going to cry. Saturday, Dave, in Ohio. Uh, ironic. Yeah. Joe Perry or Keith Richards? Keith, not even worth debating. Yeah, Keith Richards, not even worth debating. Um, Andrew, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie B. Uh, two Philly guys, both had big hits in the 70s and 80s, both still making music. Daryl Hall or Todd Rundgren? Um, let's see. This is, first of all, you're talking about two of the worst days of my life when this happens. <laughs> this is two brutal days. I'm just going to send you into the prize closet. Thank you. And I think I'm just going to do it on age. I'm going to feel worse when Daryl dies. And I felt like that that Daryl got did not get the critical love that Todd got. They both have done the show. I'm going to be sadder when Todd Rundgren dies. The runt? Yeah, the runt. <laughs> Why are you going to be sadder? I feel like I like kind of know him because he's done the show a few times. Three times, times. yeah, three fucking wonderful times. And he was like the first RBI interview. Like I was when I got hired when he when he came in like on a weekend once when we recorded him. That was the first one I was like as a hired producer. I remember I was actually pacing back and forth like the fucking runt is coming in. That was a cool day. Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm going to feel sadder Saturday when Daryl Hall dies because I'm really going to feel not only sad about that, I'll feel sad for uh, Oates as well. Yeah, because Rundgren doesn't have anybody in his life that cares about him. <laughs> <laughs> He's lived a life of solitude. All right, so we've got two winners so far. Do you, Shelby, you guys are picking up the winners and getting their names and all, right? We've got them both. Um... Jack, you're on the Run of Fez show. Ronnie, the duck boat tips over in the skew kill. Is it Schmidt or Boa? Not even close, Boa. Not even close. Um, Mark in Virginia, you're on the Run of Fez show. 
Ronnie B, a million bucks. Uh, Tarantino or Wes Anderson? Ouch. Oh, my God. Ouch. I know, right? I, this, I, I can't believe the sad days that we have ahead of us. <laughs> like, depending on... They're all coming. Whose films I've watched just most recently, this thing could change. I'm going to be sad for. Like, I just watched Rushmore again and just fucking realized how goddamn good it is. Uh, Leslie's going to be in here tomorrow, and she's seeing the new Wes Anderson. And she's not letting on because I think... But I know for a fact that she loves it. <sighs> Maybe we can get something out of her tomorrow. Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah. Can't wait to watch it. So go quick. Wes Anderson. You're going to feel sad when Wes Anderson dies. Yeah. Tarantino. Don't feel good Shelby. Tarantino, 100%. Wow, you're actually mean about it. Like you're hoping Wes Anderson dies. <laughs> don't, don't you say that. I, I can't have anything bad happen to Tarantino. Um, I know exactly how you feel, and I'm going to say Tarantino, too. Um, I'm not going to fight with myself. You go into the big-ass prize closet, my friend. This is one of those things that we could read off prizes that people are getting or whatever. But let's go over here to... Cigars and Scotch, you're on the Run of Fest show. It'll be a rough day for you. Peter Wolf or Mike Schmidt? Easy day for me, Peter Wolf. Wow. Way more. Look, let me tell you fucking something. You never banged I, I'm gonna fucking game. I'm gonna cry more when Bake McBride dies <laughs> than Mike Schmidt. I'm gonna fucking uh, cry more when Manny Trio passes away. <laughs> Larry Christensen is going to be a rough day for me. But I, w I would actually cry more when the hot dog guy from the fucking 700 section dies more than when Michael <laughs> Jack Schmidt got laid down, which I hope they put on his tombstone. He could have had another hundred fucking home runs. Easy. And would it hurt you, would it hurt you to wave to a kid? Dick. Oh, whatever. You know. I don't like guys that are born with talent. It fucking annoys me. I like scrappy ball players. I like a ball player playing over their head. Fine for it. I don't want to see a guy who comes in there and looks like he's not breaking a sweat. I want to see you as dirty as fucking nails and end up in jail like him. Oh, nails is the fucking best. He's still in jail, right? Yeah, he's locked up. I bet there's no difference in his lifestyle. Yeah, I feel like he would handle it well. Like, yeah. You know, it's, all right, whatever. I'm doing a bid. I'll get through this, whatever. Um, Bobby, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron. Uh, how about Joan Rivers or Carol Burnett? This is actually a very good one. I'm going to go completely on gut here. And this is going to be, by the way, two sad days. I'm going to feel sadder when Joan Rivers dies. I'm going to feel sadder when Carol Burnett dies. That's why we can't get that unmasked that you've been working on. Shelby? I would feel really bad if Joan Rivers died. I mean, a lot of people just give her shit because of the, you know, the insults, but I just love that, that she'd just go after anybody, no matter how famous or beloved they are. Her, her stand-up is phenomenal. Really one of the all-time greats. So... Did we get knocked offline completely there? Yeah, there was. Um, yeah, they, the the yeah, the phone screener has to pick those phones back up and then retype who their Saturday was. Now, can you let on to that without getting mad at them? Man, a lot of people writing in for uh, Saturday as well. Like, here's an easy one: Neil deGrasse Tyson or Stephen Hawking. Believe me, 
First of all, I'm going to feel good when both die because I'll know that they'll be in heaven with Jesus hearing the truth. Oh, God. But you're going to feel bad when Neil, sad for Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah. Hawking's on. Hawking, it'll come a sweet relief. <laughs> he's on borrowed time here, and he's no, been on borrowed time. I'm going to tell this to Michael, who a lot of people are writing in. I'm not choosing between Opie and Anthony. Don't even ask me to. I'm not some scumbag like Fez who is going to say, my brother over my sister. <laughs> Um, all right, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. I'm going to jump into these blind because we seem to have trouble with our screening service, even when they're trying to put it up. It's not working out. Hi, you're on the Ron and Fez show. Who do you got for Saturday? Hello? Uh, yeah, go ahead. How about uh, more? Martin doing that fucks up every reason I put you over here. All right. Go ahead. Martin Scorsese or Francis Ford Coppola? Man, um, yeah, I don't think that's close. I'm going to feel worse for Scorsese. Coppola, you know, early early 70s. If I was a wine drinker... Um, that's what does it for me. His Coppola wine tastes you, great. You drank it? Yeah, I drank his Cabernet, and it's delicious. Not that I have a great wine palate. Bobby, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, I got Joe Pesci or Christopher Walken. Um, yeah, this one's worth playing. It's worth you going in the big-ass prize closet for. Fez, we never give you the opportunity to go first. I'm going to feel sadder when Joe Pesci passes away. Hicks? Christopher Walken. I'm going to feel sadder. Shelby? Yeah, Christopher Walken for me. Just as an actor, comedian. I'm going straight on gut here. I'm going to feel. I'm going to feel sad when Joe Pesci dies. I don't think. I don't think it's going to make that much difference to Christopher Walken whether he's alive or dead. I think he's going to feel exactly the same. Um, but I'm just going on gut. Um, Pesci's been out of the light for so long. He did do that one weird Reno movie. They did it together? No, no, no. Just Pesci, Pesci did. Pesci did some movie about Reno and the... Uh, yeah, I didn't see it. Whorehouses. I'm just thinking of the scene in Goodfellas where he thinks he's getting made and then ends up getting killed and how disappointed he was in dying at that point. Wow, I just saw this story. Um... Uh, an old friend of mine that used to play uh, my club, Tim Wilson, uh, one of the great Southern comics, passed away uh, Wednesday night. Ah, it's terrible news from a heart attack. And I think he was just at uh, the Daytona 500. Ah, that's Jeez. terrible, terrible news. All right, this is now a Saturday for me. Now I can't even play this game because I'm already in a Saturday mood over that. Really, really a great, great Southern uh, comedian. Um, God, it's terrible news. Uh, we need to break here. Gurian in the house yet? Gurian's in the house, yeah. Waiting and, on Artie. 
Okay. Okay. Um, we will break. We'll get right back. It's the Ron and Fez show. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present for your intellectual and philosophical pleasure, Ron and Fez on Raw Dog, Sirius XM Comedy Hits, Channel 99. Hey, comedy fans, what's up? It's Jeffrey Gurian here for Ron and Fez on Sirius XM Radio on the Raw Dog Channel, Channel 99, bringing you the 411 on what's going on in the comedy scene in New York and L.A. So Nick Kroll and Paul Provenza like to say I know everyone in comedy, and I don't even know if that's true or not. But I'm going to be doing my best to bring you what's hot in comedy, who's at what club, who got what show, and anything cool that's going down in the comedy world. Within two minutes, that is. Thursday night at Gotham, you can see Jamie Kennedy, who's in from L.A., hosting Access TV's Gotham Comedy Live. Friday and Saturday, you can see Colin Kane and his raunchy, outrageous, triple X-rated show doing mad comedy all weekend long in Gotham's main room. Great first date show. At Noam Dwarman's Comedy Cellar, there are shows in both clubs, the actual cellar, and around the corner at their new room, the Village Underground. And if you want to see big stars without banging your head, check out the Olive Tree Restaurant connected to the cellar, where all the big stars hang out before they go on stage. You'll see David Tell, Keith Robinson, Gary Goldman, Sarah Silverman when she's in town, Andrew Schultz from MTV's Guy Code, and even Louis C.K. hanging out at the comics table in the back. I love hanging at the Olive Tree and the food is banging. And speaking of Andrew Schultz, I got a little inside tip directly from Andrew, who I was hanging out with the other night. He's got his own show coming out on April 16th, right after the debut of the fourth season of MTV 2's Guy Code, in a show called Jobs That Don't Suck, where he visits people with cool jobs. I wonder when he's coming to visit me. That very same night, I ran into my buddy Colin Jost at the comic strip, and he told me personally how thrilled and honored he feels to be taken over Weekend Update on Saturday Night Live. Big shout out to Colin. Meanwhile, how many guys named Colin are doing comedy these days? At least three, right? Quinn, Jost, and Kane. If you know another Colin in comedy, call in and let me know. Anyway, that's it for me. This has been Jeffrey Gurian for Ron and Fez reminding you, you may forget a lot of things, but never forget that comedy matters. Follow me on Twitter at Jeffrey Gurian and on ComedyMattersTV.com for interviews with all your favorite stars. Shout out to Nick Kroll. That's my two minutes. I'm out. Hey, buddies, it's Ron and Fez here. And we've had some of the best names in comedy stop by our show for some impolite conversation. Like David Steinberg. The interesting thing about comedians, if... You have an audience of six people. You don't hate everyone that isn't there. <laughs> Michael Che. So you can either stay right. famous or get sad. Where it's like, oh man, I saw Urkel working at the bank. Urkel hit his girlfriend. It's not. This is not news, by the way. I'm not breaking stories on Urkel. This is just hypothetically speaking. <laughs> DJ Novak. I had a role to play among the cool kids. I could come to their parties now and then. Right. I wasn't like a loser or someone tormented. But um, I'd say people ask do you sit in the front of the bus or the back of the bus I sat in the middle of the bus <laughs> like most kids you know Roy Scovel I think okay. it's kind I think we're all Chris kind of how much of that was on the we're air on. and how much not we're on uh, I can't hear you in this room okay so I don't know even know whether I'm on the air or not you are a lunatic Shelby oh that's hysterical
Come on in, Jeffrey. Okay, We're on. We're Jeffrey on the air. Jeffrey is here. Hey! Look who I thought. Oh, good to see you, brother. I got so good to see you again. Yeah. I haven't seen you. Feedback about doing your show, you know. Like, well, I, I, I got phenomenal positive feedback about you doing the show, too, man. <laughs> that was really cool. You were great on Unmasked. Well, you, uh, like every comic I talk to, they, always, they really respect your ability to talk to comics in particular. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a fun time. Well, you uh, obviously, you know, from your book, uh, you're one of the more <laughs> honest people in the history yeah, of the world. It's one of those things where you want, might as well not go half-assed with something like that. <laughs> yeah. This was actually two-ass. This was so... It was triple-ass. Yeah. yeah, it was such a... I had to. What are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there was so many... You know, they say that things have a lot of highs and lows, but this this book had so many lows and even lower, you know? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's it. That's what sells. Yeah. <laughs> I think your years of being on Howard prepared you to be so honest, right? Because nothing gets unsaid. Yeah, well, Howard's that was our, those were my favorite kind of comedians, the guys who could take tragic shit in their life and make it funny like Richard Pryor and yeah. stuff, you know, but and then, you know, Howard is the king of the, you know, honesty, that's for sure. I was, uh, I'm glad that you heard positive things. Oh, God, a mil to, like a flood of them, yeah. flood of them, yeah. Nowadays with social media, you hear that stuff immediately, it's not yeah. even, you know, it's like right in your face. Uh, so. You are also one of my favorite people because you do TV dressed as a radio guy, and I'm really <laughs> hoping that catches on, because no one really likes to do TV. Yeah, you know what I, mean? No, I, I mean, that's another thing. I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm going to go and try to look like one of the cast from Dawson's Creek when <laughs> right. I'm on television. <laughs> I mean, what's wonderful is you don't worry about posture. No, you know what I mean? And no. when you do radio or stand-up, you want to be comfortable. And then they take those people and put them on TV, and it's the worst. You do get used to it. You know yeah. what's the craziest, and I love him, but Mad Dog Russo, when he's on television, yeah. the, the twitching and the... Yeah. I mean, it looks like you just got to have a mental home. You know? yeah. <laughs> but you got to let it rip. Whatever makes you feel good. Yeah, the posture is something that's funny. That's what my mother notices whenever I'm on a talk show. Yeah. Can you sit up straight? <laughs> so you mean I don't have to dress up for this show? <laughs> no. Yeah, radio. Yeah. You can't seriously, uh, you dress like you're doing a runway show. <laughs> I actually am. That's yeah, it. Yeah, this is what I got. So soon. Yeah. <laughs> I, but I, but I, you know, we'll tease about that, but I think we'd all dress like that if we were tiny. Yeah. <laughs> If I could fit in that stuff, absolutely, absolutely. But but with Howard, I got so comfortable. The first year, I tried to look good because it was also on television. Yeah. But then six a.m., I just gave up. By the end, I looked like a homeless person in yeah. the back yelling out stupid shit. Like, but you know. but the posture thing is great because I don't think you can be funny and worry about what your hands are doing. No, that's what I was trying to tell up. my mother. I can't. Yeah. I don't care about my hair, and the, I got to worry yeah. about the jokes. Right. And the story being good, that's what I'm going to be judged on. Yeah. Nobody's going to go, God, Artie's shirt didn't match his belt. <laughs> what a horrible appearance. <laughs> you, know. you love the sports stuff. And I'm a sports fan, yeah. Were you surprised uh, that the NFL stopped in and made Arizona make this move? Uh, well, again, it's all about money. Arizona's one of those crazy states where you don't know, you ever know what's going on. Yeah. But they want another Super Bowl there. And, yeah. you know, political correctness is running rampant. I mean, that law was archaic. It was yeah. just ridiculous. Yeah, I think the governor made a 
who knows what she's thinking. I don't want to speak for her, but yeah. she made ultimately, and this is sad to say, but I think a business decision. Yeah, a money decision. Yeah, yeah. You know, Arizona wants another Super Bowl. It's a perfect place for it, and yeah. uh, that's uh, they're not going to get it with that kind of attitude. <laughs> right. Well, the weird thing is, if you ever been out in Arizona, some oh, of it's way God, yeah, yeah. new agey, and it's like where hippies went, you know. Yep. And then other parts, I guess, are just super conservative. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, well, I I've done a lot of stand up at the uh, improv. In Tempe, mm -hmm. which is basically on Arizona State's campus. Right. Uh, beautiful women and everything, but it's young people, and you get that young vibe where anything mm -hmm. goes. But yeah, if you, you know, it's like Florida to a certain extent, too. You got Miami. Yeah. Uh, looks like, uh, you know, the set of a, of a gay porn. Right. And, uh, <laughs> and then you make two right turns, and it's everybody looks like Ronald Reagan. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's always funny when you're in Florida. If you can't see the water, you're in the deep south. <laughs> Right. So the second you you're off the beach, you're like, who the fuck are these people? <laughs> it's, either, <laughs> it's either everybody has thirty two beautiful teeth or no teeth at all. Right. Yeah, exactly, there's no yeah. in between. Yeah. It's just some guy in an alligator hat. Fucking, what are you doing in our town? <laughs> right. You're like just looking for the beach. Dude. A hat that was an alligator thirty minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, and, and you know, right? Exactly. That's where the woman had the chimpanzee as, as a, 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 a face pet, off, a right. face yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you again, and then you can make a couple other right turns that are wrong and uh, you're in little Cuba right. and you could be killed it's it's Arizona's similar to that yeah Arizona and it doesn't surprise me is what right. I'm trying to say what they did with well that. they did that and you brought up the political correctness and uh, now they're going to start and give 15-yard penalties for language. Yeah, the N-word. Yeah, and who it's, is that going to affect most, by the way? It's going to affect black players, Well, right? that's what they... Yeah. I because thought black anybody players in the, use it more than anyone else. My co-host on the show I do now, uh, John Ritchie, was seven years in the NFL. And he goes, Art, that's all the black guys used to call each other. Right. And, uh, you know, I guess it's the ref's call. But um, if they enforce that strictly, there's not going to be a game. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, exactly. Cat Williams, I think, was going to be a punter. <laughs> <laughs> for the Giants, and now forget that. That's too bad. That's too bad. I would have loved to have seen that. Instead of Omaha, he would have been like, nigger dumb. That would have been his Omaha. Yeah. As a way of, now we're going to have white men, little white men, telling black men what they can call they can each say. other. By the way, right. exactly. the political correctness exactly. is the cover of the Daily News a few days ago, it, uh, the pussies have taken over. They had a, a, a referee blowing a pink whistle, throwing a pink flag for breast cancer awareness for someone saying the n-word yeah. that's it why not just make a two-hand and women play <laughs> you know i mean come on it's football it's funny i was going to tweet about it's it football i was going to tweet about it and i was afraid to because these days people take things that you tweet the wrong way oh absolutely well, well these days yeah whatever. tweeting yeah right tweeting, I, you can get yourself in so much people trouble don't understand like, sarcasm a whole generation doesn't understand sarcasm and they don't care what the context is if you say i, yeah. I know this from stand-up the new stand-up crowds i was talking to david tell about this recently these younger kids who are very politically correct and were brought up in the MTV generation of public service announcements where don't say, don't say this and don't yeah. say that. And, uh, as soon as you say a word, no matter what the context is, you can't get out of that hole. You can't you're think done, out. Yeah. You're done. They think you're in the clan. They all actually the, boo. You know, they start to boo. Yeah. Sometimes when all you, you can do something. to get out of any kind of trouble is apologize, apologize. Just like I'm taking class. You know, you'll see these <laughs> comics now. Look, I've never understood. 
understood how difficult that word affects right, people. Right. I'm now taking classes, <laughs> so I would never say such a horrible and, thing. And, 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 and comics should be making fun of it, like we're right. doing right now, not taking those classes. That's yeah. horrible. I, I recently, I, you know, I've been doing stand-up for 25 years. I do it at the Comedy Cellar all the time. I've been a regular there for a long, long time, and I, I bombed there recently. And stand-up keeps you humble, like you, like you could still bomb. Yeah, there was that's uh, amazing. Uh, two German kids in the front row with heavy German accents, and um, the uh, I, I said, uh, "Do you like American game shows?" And they said, "Yeah." And I said, "Well, we're going to play an American game show. Uh, do you like the twenty thousand dollar pyramid?" And they said, "Yeah, okay. Well, here the, the category is words that end in igger." <laughs> <laughs> that's all I had to say. And in a German accent, they keep going, Tringer. and they're like, "You're not going to get me with this." And then and they, they, the crowd turned on me because they thought yeah. I was trying to get them to say that. You know, so, and then I, I couldn't dig out of the hole. I bombed miserably. How Not do you to, feel when you bomb, though, with the way your career's been? Well, it's 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 not a common occurrence, thank God, yeah. anymore, but it's the loneliest feeling. It's still, it's right? The, it's but still it bothers mean, you? It means you're still trying. you right. got to take risks to write new material. And yeah. again, the new generation, everybody's on tape, so they're afraid of bombing mm -hmm. all the time, so they won't take a risk. they got that seven minutes that kills. Yeah, They'll always do that because they know if they're on tape on the Internet, it looks like they're killing. But they won't do the risky new stuff because they're afraid of bombing on the Internet because mm -hmm. it'll be put up uh, right, people in put a up on their phones right away. But, the, 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 it's the feeling of like you feel like you just want to like put your hands out and disappear into the back of the stage <laughs> and never come back again. You just want to. It's the loneliest, depressing. It's like okay, here's my magic power. I can just leave this this earth for but a while. To counteract Artie's bombing story, I was there once when he got a standing ovation just for walking out on the stage before oh, he started his act. Sure. I think it was at town hall. Yeah. And I had never seen that before. Artie Lang and the audience stood up. Usually, if you're going to get a standing o it's after his your body of work right and my fans are lazy bastards that's a big thing yeah it's a it's an interesting thing stand up you know it is um and it can well because no one actually knows why they're funny yes you learn craft but it's what you're kind of born with i think that you definitely yeah that that gives you the mm -hmm. ride and the, because you don't can't take too much credit for it, you never know when it's going to leave. Yeah. You know? It could be gone. You never know. You yeah. never know. I mean, again, I, I've been lucky. I've been around a while. But you get like, uh, in a way, sometimes you get bored as a stand-up, but you almost like it better when you bomb because it's yeah. something different. It's like you start to get bored with the, you know the material that'll kill, and you get lazy. You yeah. get lazy. Like, it's just almost like a robot. I say this, they'll laugh, you know. And, uh, uh, but, um, yeah, you like sometimes you get laughs different. on lines that you didn't expect to get laughs on. You, Absolutely, you know, and the ones that you're counting on, they don't react sometimes. It's, yeah, it's, well, the direct opposite yeah. is true. You talk about the political, political correctness. The direct opposite is true when you're somewhere maybe in the South and they laugh at something where you go, "Whoa, I'm basically at a Klan meeting." <laughs> yeah, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're going to be at Caroline's uh, March seventh and eighth. That's right. And then uh, April fifth, you're going to be in Ridgefield Playhouse in Connecticut. The book Crash and Burn is out now. How did you do over this winter? Did you have an okay Christmas? Because in the book, yeah. Christmas is a problem area. I did fine. Good. I'm okay. Uh, in Good. the book, you know, I was on a I put on a big uh, tour.
tour, which is another test for me with uh, with uh, these, these book tours are just crazy. But uh, good people around me, and uh, I, everything went fantastic. It, it uh, debuted on the New York Times bestsellers list, and it's coming out in paperback in June. That's so, fantastic! Amazing, amazing. Yeah, yeah. But the level of honesty is beyond comprehension. Can you imagine telling so much about yourself? Yeah. Well, it's I just... mean, listen. When you have, if you're going to write a book nowadays, and you have a story where you rip your pants on stage at the Playboy Mansion, you might as well tell it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm actually not dishonest in a meeting. I haven't. <laughs> I haven't worked my way up where I would tell that. But that's actually really, you know, in the way of trying to do better. That is, to me, in a lot of ways, is real first step stuff. You got to get out there. Oh, that, it must be that's very right. freeing. Yeah. It must that's be very freeing to be able to. Yeah. There's no secrets anymore. You're able to when you're able to do that on stage. That's a good point when you, you talk about the steps and everything. Yeah. If you're able to do that on stage, it's very cathartic in a lot of ways. Yeah. Because yeah. now anybody who palms you a fucking gram is a really an <laughs> asshole. But you they're out I mean? there, man. Oh yeah. Oh, they are out there. It's, Sometimes you're in the form of a hot chick, which is the devil. Right. Mm -hmm. exactly. Absolutely. Hot Absolutely. chick with an eight ball. That is the mm -hmm. devil incarnate. You that's know. what no one else could <laughs> understand. It's somebody wants to do. You know, anyone else in a meeting would have no idea the extra temptation yeah. that you're dealing with. Yeah, well, you know, listen, I mean, it's basically them saying, I, I, for for the story of hanging out with you for a night in Pittsburgh, I don't yeah. care if you die. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. You know, exactly, you might right. die, but I got a story. Right. I just think back to those pictures of uh, Farley, uh, of Farley that, that that hooker he was yeah. with took. Oh, my God. Talk about just a soulless human being. She's, he's dead there, basically, and she's taking pictures with him. And it's so heartbreaking to anyone because I've never met Farley and I love the guy. Yeah. I work I, with him on a movie. The last movie he ever did is a movie called Dirty Work. Uh, me yeah, and Norm, right. Me and Norm MacDonald did a buddy movie. He had a supporting role. He was hilarious. I knew him for two weeks doing that, and then the last week of his life, basically, I hung out with him a little bit, but I never used with him, thank God, because that guilt would be crazy, but you could tell it was a matter of time. Just like yeah. a lonely guy, but the funniest motherfucker. Just a hurricane walking into a room. Yeah. It was just great, funny. You Does know? that kind of stuff fuck with you, like Phil Hoffman this year? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, listen, when I saw the cover of the post with Philip Seymour Hoffman, it was like, I didn't need to use a mirror that day. Right. <laughs> I wow, saw what yeah. I looked like. Uh, you know, thank God I just, I look like that all the time. I don't have to be on heroin. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, when a talent that big goes, right. it's, um, that's sad. You know, him and Farley, when the, when it takes the best of the best. It's, and that's uh, the other thing, man, that people don't get. It has very little to do with talent or money nothing. or great yeah. friends. Uh, race, family. religion, anything. It's got nothing to class, money you make. It's a real thing. I mean, the addiction is real. You know? yeah. But I related so much to sensitivity. In order to be that level actor, you have to function on such a high level of sensitivity. Any performer, well, we're more sensitive than we want to cop to. It's clear he could go places. Uh, th that's why he was a great actor. He could go places. Not a lot of people could go, man. You look at the body of his work, man. Oh, God. Uh, some of those characters. Even the small to... characters, the comedic The thing he does in The Big Lebowski. He plays that crazy assistant. Yeah, he's amazing <laughs> Like, enough. where'd he get that from? You know? Yeah, there's amazing... Um, Diversity of... Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, what was the one that he played to uh, the Cameron Crowe movie? Where Almost he played famous. Almost famous. Lester Banks. Right, Exactly. Small, yeah. Lester Bang, small role, and you're like, this is fucking perfect, Crushed man. It. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Crushed yeah. it. Yeah. Brilliant.
Yeah, no, he, uh, you know, again, he's probably big on research, but physically yeah. he could do a lot, and he wasn't afraid of anything. Yeah. You know, so. Then The Master, which is a movie that, you know, it, it's really a movie looking at two performances, him and Joaquin right. Phoenix. It got kind of slow to me in places. I thought it was a little overrated. I like Paul Thomas Anderson, but, um, his performance that is really like, wow, you look at it and go, even at parts where you might, in my case, get a little bored. You're looking at it going, he's the only guy who could do this. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he's the absolutely. Only guy who could do it, right? Sitting still, like an inside race. Yeah. You know, he's talking positive. Exactly. But you're looking at him, you're like, something's right. fucked up. Something's there. brewing, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's such a tough thing to pull off. Yeah. You know, I, I guess you can't do it without really feeling it. Him playing you know? off Joaquin Phoenix to me. Yeah. They should have been two and a half men, not Charlie <laughs> Sheen. <laughs> that would have been, been fucking sick. Film Sheen and Joaquin <laughs> Phoenix on two and a half men would have been fantastic. Do you ever, uh, now that you know, you're know you walking the uh, the good line, do you have to stay away from anyone from the old days? Um, people, places, and things. You yeah. know, yeah, well, obviously there's people that, um, you know, uh, are uh, are still like major users of drugs that right. I that the kids I even grew up with, uh, but they're smart enough to know uh, the boundaries. But um, again, the biggest thing is the road. Unfortunately, I'm still in a case where if I want to keep doing specials, I have to do the road to sort of hone the material. Absolutely. And I'm still in a case where that the money I make on the road is real money that I need. I you know I use I could use it. So. That's where you gotta really be careful because when you develop a following with stand up, those same guys are there that were there 12 years ago. They still come to the shows. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you, you gotta sort of say to them, look, we can't do what we used to do. Right. You know, it like, can't happen that way. Right. It's not, it's not possible. So that's the biggest struggle with me is the road stuff. But at home, everybody's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. There's people that I love that I really can't hang out with because they're too much fun for yeah, me. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's unfortunate. Yeah. But it's, it's the truth. I, I don't think that there's somebody I could meet now that could drag me into that, mm -hmm. but I know there's some guys that I love that I'm like, I better not see him. Well, it's <laughs> just the email. Just trigger, well, so, trigger well, yeah, email. Well, yeah, nowadays you got the email. You got <laughs> but, you know, and, and sometimes, especially kids I grew up with, they'll pull the thing where, oh, well, you're too good to hang out with me. I'm like, no, it's the direct opposite. You're too good for me. I'm envious of you. I wish right. I could be casual drug yeah. user guy. Yeah. I can. I wish I, I mean, could could do a little blow and still take my kid to Little League, you know? Mm -hmm. I, I can't do that. I can't do that. You can, and I'm envious of that, but I can't, so... Well, uh, I'm so happy that you're you're doing good, man. The book is Crash and Burn, coming out in paperback, and this is uh, it's a phenomenal book. I mean, Thanks, it's man. a really, really great read. I appreciate it. Uh, uh, it's it, it it's a, has the flow the whole thing. And the it's first a heartfelt time I, book. Yeah, yeah the first time I read it, I mean, there was times I had to put it down for a couple minutes right. and stood up. You know, it's really really <laughs> tough. And you you know, uh, and the thing with Artie, you're cheering for him, you're pissed at him right. in certain mm -hmm. places at the same time, and that, mainly yeah. for hurting some of these really great people oh in god your life, yeah, that's the worst you, know? you keep you keep saying to yourself when you're in the throes of it like yeah i'm just hurting yeah me but you're not yeah. if you have anybody that cares about you you're, you're not it's not even close it's not a victimless crime you know you're hurting these these amazing people who are good friends or family and uh when you see them you know 
uh, crying literally. Right. It's, uh, it's hard. Knowing that they're losing you, right. and you're, you know, you're they. You obviously, when you're that person, you don't care about them as much as they care about you. You care about right. your addiction. But there was a thing, and I, I brought this up in the unmasked with you that Colin Quinn just comes through. This is yeah. like mm-hmm. otherworldly. Yeah. The savior. The savior. What he's willing to do, right. man. I'm not even exaggerating with him either. Yeah. Uh, he 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 really just he's a guy I've known a long time and obviously a guy I really respect uh, you know not just comedically but as a person and the guy for more or less uh, you know indirectly or even directly saved my life you know I, I think in a lot of ways um, so I and he's not a guy who's looking for attention like absolutely that absolutely not so I almost feel embarrassed yeah. about doing it but I just I just had to do it yeah there are I just I, had to dedicate the book to him mm-hmm. yeah I, there are, are plenty of people who don't know what a good dude yeah. he is yeah he's a, such a stand up guy real good sure. guy yeah. uh, because you know he's a hard ass in his comedy his comedy mm-hmm. brutally brutally funny well, in real life, he doesn't let you get away with uh, saying something stupid. You know, you're yeah. one of those comedians. So he can get in your face, which like a lot of us are, who do yeah. this for a living. He was sarcastic and everything, but he's got a heart of gold, you know. The unmasked that I did with him, I had to send it to you, too, because he's... Oh, I'd love to He's that, just yeah. fucking genius yeah. in this. I think he's the smartest comic working today. I yeah. really do. I really do. He's a true wordsmith. Well, what uh, is this... Uh, you, you were bringing... When you came in with him, what is, what is this new tour that he's doing? He's doing a one-man show now. Yeah, he's yeah. Unconstitutional. Based on the Constitution. Okay. Who, who, who do does that, that except <laughs> Colin Quinn? Nobody he has just, that knowledge. He just got nominated yeah. for an Emmy, I think, for an HBO special he did about um, the history of the world. Right. A long story short, he called it, which was right, which is fucking amazing. brilliant. Yeah. The history of the world in 75 he, minutes. Yeah, yeah, right. As soon as he got done with that, and it's great to be friends with a guy like that because you see all the stuff in its infancy. Right. Uh, like mm-hmm. me, I love rewarding myself. Like after I do something <laughs> that was successful, I take two years off. I was going out there. He's like, the next day, he goes, I'm working on another show about the Constitution. I'm like, what? <laughs> and uh, he goes, yeah, come down. I'm going to just put it up for the first time in the small room at Gotham. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. I go down and I watch it. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like, When are you, when are you not writing? You know? Well, and he, he had to research it for a year, he said, because people showed up with knowledge of the Constitution who were challenging him on yeah, shit. Like, so he had to be prepared. Right. Right. He had to be prepared <laughs> to answer questions about the Constitution. The on, guys. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's yeah. like trying to yeah. talk uh, baseball with stat freaks and you're like what just yeah I'm just trying to have a good time over lunch <laughs> guys guys come up with all the entire Gettysburg address right <laughs> like shut up Ar- Artie Lang's here with us next weekend that's March 7th and 8th at Caroline's in New York City April 5th the Ridgewood Playhouse in Connecticut and the Artie Lang show on DirecTV you can catch that on channel 239 yeah on the audience network at DirecTV and I'll be on the Tonight Show March 12th I got wow, my first that's fantastic. Show. wow awesome man with Jimmy, yeah. Yeah, do you, do you know, are you working on that now, or are you... You know, it's funny, I, I did his old show, like, about seven times, and it always went amazing. It was yeah. good to me, and uh, staying out there on the couch, and busting balls, and so, yeah, no, it's uh, it's uh, it's The Tonight Show, and it's got a lot of attention, so it's fun to be doing this for so long, at the age of 46, I just look at butterflies about something. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'm, worried, I'm thinking sure. about jokes, stories, I'm like... Uh-huh. I can't wait. It's which, it's the reason, you know, I'm not an accountant. I like giving yeah. these butterflies. And, <laughs> yeah. you know. Uh, it's you a, still it's, love that rush, though, huh? It's you exciting, still, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, but thing, he's such a generous guy, Jimmy, too. He'll make Jimmy's you, always been makes good people to feel me. very at yeah. home. Yeah. yeah, he makes everybody likes him. Everyone's rooting for him. Very likable guy. Sure. And yeah. funny, too. And edgy. Yeah. You don't really see. He's funny and edgy. And he still goes out and hits the clubs, right? Mm-hmm. I guess, you know, once you get that gig, it's probably not as much. But he's a stand-up, yeah, as good yeah. as you could see, sure. 
Absolutely. Um, and you is this like the, the longest that you've kind of maintained this last uh, yeah 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 uh, absolutely uh, except uh, for the first fifteen years of my life yeah. <laughs> uh, you were doing great at eight <laughs> I had, yeah, right exactly I had a tw- I, I had uh, eleven months once. Eleven and a half months mm-hmm. and typical self destruction. I, I when I was in my late twenties, I had eleven and a half months. I I fell off the wagon, but yeah, then, this is the longest. Yeah. Um. Well, would you ever think about taking that book and doing like a, a one man play with that? Believe or? me, yeah. There's a lot of discussion about that. There's some it should uh, be a, a movie. Uh, well, a big name. Uh, I can't say what it is, but a a big name director producer uh, wants to wants to do it as a film. Both of them, too. My first one and this one combined, right? Because they're chronologically, it kind of works to the timeline. It works. So uh, yeah, there's talk about that. Absolutely, yeah. yeah it's a I, perfect film. Well, well that's the weird thing is like when you're reading it, some of these things do come off as a script sometimes it's real comedy just bold right you know just fall, falling down comedy and other parts of some of the darkest shit that you can yeah, imagine if, if, again you got to get a real filmmaker to take it and uh and uh and make a, make it into a movie you right. know uh, you need a guy who really knows how to do that the second book crash and burn is more uh linear than the first book the first book is just a collection of stories where you, i wanted it to be that way where you could just pick it up any chapter and just read it yeah and it stands on its own but combined with the second book it would be it, it would look more linear like a movie you know yeah yeah well, his whole story has been so dramatic from the time that he started as a tribute kind of to your dad when your dad had that terrible accident, right? And then you took over uh, yeah. because he said, take care of the family. You're right. Well, that, that you, meant money. I don't know what he meant. Though. I don't know what he thought I was able to do at that time. <laughs> but that, I was that's 22 years old. You, that's what inspired you to go I into comics. I, yeah, I, think he meant, I think he meant become a bookie. I think it what he meant. <laughs> <laughs> would be our best possible goal for you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, but that's what sparked me on. I was like, you know, I always wanted to try to be a comic, and I was, my friends thought I was funny, and I said, where else am I going to make that kind of money? So, that was kind of an influence, you know? Yeah, I've always been curious that, uh, you got to wonder if the funniest guy in the world has never stepped on a stage. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's definitely the case. Yeah. I think that without question, I, I grew up with kids that I think are funnier than I am. Yeah. Uh, they just... You know, maybe they had a better day job. I started out doing stand-up with guys who were really funny, who worked in whatever, advertising, whatever, or they just had a better job yeah. and a better option than I did. Like, I didn't... Um, I remember being uh, at uh, 1993 at the comic strip on the 4th of July, and... Uh, and there were like four people there, mm. and uh, some of these other guys who I thought were really funny weren't there. They were at uh, a beach, mm-hmm. and um, I said, "Well, I'm here because I got nothing else to do." But maybe if those people had that kind of dedication, maybe it would have been. But Fourth of July, I was there, right? Know? So, yeah, no one ever gives credit to how much of that just grind that it takes right. in the early days, man. Just stone grind of everyone should have quit at some point, right? You know what I mean? But they just keep going, That's for keep going. Sure. yeah, Rodney. Dangerfield's best friend, Joe Ansis, who was credited as like the funniest guy around, but never went on stage. Just didn't have the, could I be guess, out the of nerve. Fear, though, yeah, right, most of the time, it's fear. Yeah. Funny around the table, hysterical around the table. Right. As a matter of fact, he was supposedly the influence for Lenny Bruce. Well, you know, the fear thing is weird because Billy Connolly was in here the other day. He's uh, 70. One, is he really? Yeah. Wow. One of the real brilliant, you know, just comes in, kills, yeah. leaves. And he's Scottish Robin Williams. He's yeah. petrified. <laughs> 
to this day. Every on? time, like, I don't know if I'm going out there. I don't know. Wow. Well, I, I relate he, to that completely. Then he yeah. gets out and, you know, right, you know, does well. But he says he's not, it's not fear for him. He's petrified every uh, fucking night. No, I, I relate to that. You know, Caroline's in particular, the way it's set up, it's, it's Broadway and 50th. It's, it's like doing a Broadway show. You walk right. out, you get out of that dressing room and you make a right and you go out there. It's a team of people and the waitress has got all the drinks in there. Yeah. It's a real New York night thing where the kitchen's teeming with, with yeah. activity and you realize with the headliner like oh my god this is all because I'm here right. <laughs> you start freaking yeah. out like what am I going to say you know and you know what you're doing for the next hour and 15 minutes whether it's working or not difficult yeah it, that, that, I totally relate to what Connolly's saying <laughs> Jim yeah. Gaffigan told me that story in my book he said for the first six years of his career he was sick every time he had to go out on stage from stage yeah. right yeah. <laughs> he, said, he said his only credit was that David Tell once told him he was funny right <laughs> <laughs> that was a, that was the extent of his credit, and well, he said know, for six never, years he was sick. It's never boring, which is another reason to do it. You know? Yeah, uh, a lot of jobs in life get boring after a while, but not stand up, man. <laughs> it's uh, it could be lonely, it could mm-hmm. be scary as shit, but it's not boring. Never boring. Um, you uh, what are you found in sports this year? Because all the New York teams are in trouble. Well, you know, I I, I think it's kind of cool. I don't love the idea that, that baseball has this new thing where if a good player retires, he has like a retirement tour. Right. Every city gives him a car and stuff like that. It's kind of <laughs> sickening to me. But yeah. I'm a big Yankee fan, so I'm curious to see how Jeter goes out. Uh, I bet you know Jeter's a guy who always rises to the occasion. Um, I, I got a feeling he'll do something kind of special this year. I hope he does. And uh, maybe gets another ring, but uh, that's a long shot. Well, if anybody deserved a tour, it's got to yeah, be him right Jeter. now. You know he what did mean? it the right way. He did it the right the way. Uh, I think all the women should get one more shot. With <laughs> him, you know? Well, it's funny. I was saying, well, what about uh, you know, fuck a car? Every city, the hottest chicky bang in every city should come back. <laughs> Wouldn't that be unbelievable? <laughs> I mean, that's got to be impressive. I don't know if anyone is ever done better. You know what I mean? In, uh, you might have to go with, like Warren Beatty in his <laughs> yeah, right. time. I'd like to see the hottest chick you'd ever banged in Detroit roll her out. You know? <laughs> How you doing? Maybe the all-star game they're all standing shoulder to shoulder waving. Alright, we're going to break here. Alright, Artie Lang hanging out with us. Fez, do the plug on this. Artie Lang, he's going to be at Caroline's. Not this weekend, but next weekend. That's March 7th and 8th. April 5th, the Ridgewood Play house in Connecticut, and of course, Artie's book coming out in paperback, Crash and Burn. Jeffrey Gurian's with us too, ComedyMatters.com and at Jeffrey Gurian on Twitter. It's the Ron and Fez Show. Ron and Fez on Raw Dog, Sirius XM Comedy Hits, Channel 
It's good to see you, buddy. Good to be here, guys. I appreciate it. We were just talking about what a grind New York is. But yes. You stay on the Jersey side. Well, I'm as close as you can get. I live in yeah. Oboken. Right. Uh, so it's basically the same thing. Um, but you get the Springsteen vibe out of this whole thing. <laughs> By the way, I don't know whether you guys saw this, but Springsteen is in... Australia. Australia. He's and doing he just, ACDC stuff. He did ACDC. Last night he covered Staying Alive. Yeah, no, someone told me I'm coming in. Yeah, it's hysterical. Is, are they Australian or something? Yeah, they're oh, Australian. I thought they were English. Okay. No, everybody did because they kind of came over in that uh, English wave in the 1960s. But he went out and covered the song. I think it's up on the iBang right now, but it's hysterical. <laughs> I that those check guys, that out. Yeah, yeah. that will just keep... I mean, at his age, he's still doing cover songs. Uh -huh. Right. Well, he's you just know, having fun. You know, yeah. it's really cool. I love the story when Springsteen called Artie to find out if he was okay, and your yeah. mom didn't wake you up. Well, well, no, she, we just didn't pick up the phone because no one knew what the number was. And, and then he uh, called back. He called back the next night, the same exact time, and I talked to him for an hour on the phone. That's amazing. I just wanted to see if I was doing okay. How nice is that? Yeah. Uh, what is an that, experience. Yeah, I, I mean, that helped me in ways I can't even describe. Absolutely. Uh, he was, um, you know, we talked about if I was okay for 20 minutes, and then it just became a half hour bullshitting session. Right. right. I thought, asking about his music, and I never really talked to him before. I was going to ask, had he ever called uh, you before? I met him a couple times briefly. I mean, literally had three to four minute conversations with him at a couple mm -hmm. of places. Uh, but no, talking to him on the phone, never. Never. Did you see him on uh, Sirius? Did that gig with him up in? Um, I didn't go. I was working that night. <laughs> God, that was. A I work nights now. I tried to get to those gigs, but I, I heard it was amazing. Yeah, I mean, it was just nuts to go back and see him in a small place like that again. Yeah. Did you got you guys went? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We went. It was great, man. Yeah. What is the Apollo shit? Like a th only a thousand people. Or if you it's know, very it small. seems yeah. really intimate. Right. You know that I. Uh, I guess it goes up at top, but you know, on the first floor, there can only be a few hundred yeah. people, mm -hmm. and you're like, you know, uh, there's Springsteen still selling it like it was big, <laughs> you know, like those guys, like you think that. Well, it's the same thing that you talked about with stand up, like they don't want to lose it at every gig because right. the only gig they yeah. think about. They gotta, they gotta, you know, a guy like that stays good. Well, it's like that old. Um uh, quote, who knows if it was really Joe DiMaggio said it, but they were like, in his, uh, when he was older, he just would hustle and risk getting hurt and slide in the second hard. And like a younger player would be like, why are you doing that? You don't have to. And he's like, well, someone might be seeing me for the first time. <laughs> right. In the crowd. So I guess that's how he, I don't think he knows how to turn it off. You know, right. I don't even think he would know how to do it half ass, you know. Yeah, yeah. you've never heard like, ah, he didn't give it. Right. All. You know, we he saw phoned that. it in, right? Yeah. yeah. He doesn't there have are, off yeah. nights, you know. Yeah. And there are certain people who will that I have seen phone it in. Oh God! Yeah. You know, they don't give a shit. I love phoning it in. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, where was I? Uh... <laughs> There's sometimes in stand up where I feel, I feel like you know, instead of going flying to St. Louis, I'm like, can you literally put the phone by the? <laughs> Let's do an experiment. I'll just sit in bed in Hoboken and I'll just do my act. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, Springsteen's calling. Right, be a good thing. exactly. I'll put him on the phone. It's all doing crowd work. Though. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to say, nice shirt. Row, yeah, nice. row four. Uh, give me a second.
seat seven. <laughs> Phoning it in. That's a fucking great sketch. Hey, honey. A nice blast. <laughs> what are we doing with this guy? You got a special coming up, too, huh? I'm going to shoot uh, my third stand-up special. Uh, it's for Comedy Central, and it's going to be shot in May. Mm-hmm. And it looks like I'm probably going to do it in Newark, uh, close to my hometown at this Performing Arts Center. And uh, it'll probably air in September. Wow! Yeah, so that's exciting. It's a, it's an hour of material, a little over an hour of material I've been touring with now for like three to four years. So it's time to. It's time to put it to get bed. it out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And then you got to start fresh again after that. Yeah, you know, the, the, after people see that, you know, combined, uh, you got combined airing it on regular TV and all the social media where they see it. Everyone sees the material, so mm-hmm. you got to write new stuff. You know, so. Uh, it's uh, it's good though. It's about time. Like right. I'm bored with a lot of it, so it's get it out there. And then, it's an amazing uh, thing to put together an hour of material. Very difficult to do. This that. is I have uh, after this hour, it'll be a total in my career. You think I've been doing it twenty years? All the specials I put together will total. About four hours. About four hours. Yeah, you know, that I'm proud of. Right. That I think is not shit. Right, it's not that you didn't throw out. <laughs> it's actually made Literally, in 20 years, yeah. you know. So that's why when you look at that, I mean, there's, there's if you want to combine the stuff that I think is shit, it's probably 10 hours. <laughs> but uh, to get through to get a check, that's why you look at George Carlin, man. It's how insane, prolific right? he was. I mean, he wrote, he's like the Woody Allen stand-up. He wrote a new yeah. set every two years. I mean, it's unreal. You know, forty years he's been he did stand up specials. It's, uh, there, there'll be nobody that'll catch that. Not the not the sheer amount, because they were always they were always at least pretty good. Sometimes they were classics, but mm-hmm. they never sucked. Right. You know? There was nothing. And again, there you know he kind of invented that even way of doing comedy. A lot of people give up. him Robert yeah. Klein that, that that sort of respect. Yeah, uh, Cosby. Right. And prior, yeah, absolutely. Lenny Bruce. Mm-hmm. Those five guys, a small group of guys, but Carlin's the guy where they, his album AMFM. Right. A lot of guys will say, okay, it used to be this, now it's this. Right. Literally just changed it. For me, it was always Class Clown. That was the one That's a that. One. That's the 730 words. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. It had that, and it was like the first time for me as a kid when I heard that album, someone talking about religion and my religion. <laughs> and I was like, holy. Holy shit! Real honest you can, way. You can yeah. do this. Yeah, you can say this is weird. Well, you, you still you could in certain areas. You couldn't, right? And he paid the price. He got arrested a couple of times. Him and Bruce got arrested, but uh, Lenny Bruce got arrested just for cursing, I think. Right. But um, yeah, Carlin broke down all those barriers, man. I wonder who, like, there's no... I guess the Middle East, you still probably have to be careful about what you say. You can't be gay in Uganda. Right. (laughs) But there's even a lot of politically correct stuff in England... Uh, Canada, I read the comics have been sued for things that they've said on stage. Canada can mm-hmm. be crazy. Yeah. Canada can be real scary with, what you, with the censorship and what the penalty could be. Yeah, you're right. talking about arrests. Mm. Arrests. Yeah, arrests. that's really yes. scary. A tweet will get you an arrest in England. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. Someone what, is it like a harassing? Yeah. Well, we've done that in America with sports teams, where somebody will call up and go, "I'm going to fucking kill you. You cost me money." You oh, know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and that shit is stuff that you can yell out at the game, but you can't tweet it. You know what I mean? You can yell out. <laughs> you can't you tweet s- it about anybody, like not just a politician, about anybody. I don't think you can't anybody. tweet. 
Dolan. You can't tweet a dead just got threat. a kid arrested. No, absolutely. A 19 year old kid on Staten Island saying he was going to kill James Dolan for screwing right? up the oh, Knicks. Oh, really? And he got busted. Yeah. The kid got busted for harassment. What do they give the kid? What, what's the Harass- It's harassment. I mean, so he could go do jail time? He's got arrested. They've charged him. Oh, wow. <laughs> if, the, oh, if, if it's taken as like a real threat, like some guy. A teacher got Dolan. arrested. It was in the paper yesterday. A teacher got arrested for terrorism for saying, if I had a trench coat and a shotgun, I would go Columbine on this place. And <laughs> she said in the cafeteria. Right. Well, that's a lot of buzzwords. A middle aged, <laughs> a middle aged female teacher, right. and they called and they arrested her for terrorism, and she's in a lot of trouble. You're now. just picking offensive words. I'll go Holocaust, but Columbine. <laughs> These days, no matter what you say, people will report you. But then the weird thing is, like when we were younger, we would hit each other, and the teachers would say, "All right, just shake hands." Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> we did all These the things days, that they're threatening now, right. but we didn't think it was so bad. There's less penalty for actual physical contact. Right. Hitting. And it really did help, like, if you would shake hands, that guy could end up becoming your buddy. You're your best friend. You're like, right, you know yeah. what? You are right. Yeah, if you go through something that passionate with somebody, it usually yeah. works out. Well, well, you can't joke around in the airport, either. If you're, you know, when you're online and no, you're asking, no, you, did anyone help you pack your bags? You can't joke You're biting around. your right. tongue not to make a joke about that. <laughs> you know what I mean? The, it's, such a novi- it's such a ridiculous question. Which, your nutty story last night about wearing matzo ball in your... Oh, uh, <laughs> did you, did you, yeah, matzo in your... A piece of matzo instead of a handkerchief <laughs> in my jacket pocket. Oh, yeah, when, when, I used to go to the village gate and I would put a piece of matzo For in how long? I was just a kid. I, I, that's, I wore it that way. Wait, I you kids? We didn't do that. Sid would say, who's the kid with the matzo? Bring him in here. I had a well, so I got to meet Symphony Sid. Well, as Italian, mozzarella would go bad. <laughs> you weren't going to leave it in. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I hate it. Right? I didn't make it through the night. It was a look. You know? It's, it's it's a look. It, during the Jewish holidays, I put a piece of matzo in my pocket. I thought, okay, this is good. From a distance, it can look. Well, it looks like anything. Like, right yeah, right. Yeah. Artie just go like, it. it's a look. Look at you, it's a look. My rational like, head bouncer, I got to look. God, I don't know. It's easy to get over on me. I'm fine. <laughs> Uh, but how long did you do that for? Uh, a month or two until he noticed. <laughs> I just yeah, thought it was fun. Elijah I like the comes. guy I was telling him. You know, you remember the See days... the security guy. God damn it, that's much! <laughs> you, remember, right? you remember the days when people would refer to money as bread? Of course. And they'd be like, can I borrow some bread? And I carried, for months, I carried a piece of bread in my wallet until someone would finally ask me. Just... I needed that laugh just to yeah. know that someone was going to finally ask me. And my mom's like, why are there always crumbs in your jacket? <laughs> because I needed to have that, you know, and did finally it, someone did, asked. Someone, did someone finally asked. Yeah, it was fucking hysterical. I took did it everybody out. Get, have a big laugh? Here's everybody, yes. <laughs> the <laughs> laugh was worth it. The, the laugh was worth <laughs> all the crumbs. <laughs> all the crumbs. <laughs> I carry strange shit. Like, I carry this. What right? is that in It's here? a fucking pen. Oh, I got thrown pen. off a plane. I got thrown off a plane. Just waiting. So someone says, can I borrow your pen? Now this is like a ten pound pen. Now how, I have a bigger one. At how home. long do you Jesus do that Christ. bit? I, mean, I carry always. I always carry. Someone gave me that, and I fucking love this. Pen. Jeffrey, can so I borrow I some lettuce? <laughs> <laughs> That's in my other jacket. Right. Like, oh. it, it looks like what Jason Collins signs autographs with. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. There you go. They, they, about they thought it was a sex toy on the plane. I got thrown off of a plane. That is a I major phallic pen. You're right. You can't yeah, joke like, around. You cannot joke around at so an airport. You, do, you have to put that. I pack it in my giant suitcase. fucking dildo that you write with. <laughs> in your suitcase. It writes. It actually uh, writes. Could you yes. imagine going to jail as a dildo bomber? Yeah. <laughs> You're in trouble. A lot of trouble. Absolutely. That is fucking hysterical. Well, it's important pay. to carry shit with you that makes you smile. I just think you, everyone should have something with them that you 
with I carry money. Fine. <laughs> carry money. That's good. That'll I make you smile. I like. I just got this in the mail. This is the gayest thing. Sag. Oh, sorry. I used to think people needed props. The first time I ever went on stage was at Caroline's, and I walked out on stage carrying an iron with me, and I said. I said, uh, it's always been my dream. And people would think you're going to say to be at stage of Carolyn's. It's always been my dream to someday walk out on stage carrying an iron. Because my family was in the, uh, they either made a huge fortune in the small appliance business or a small fortune in the, in the huge appliance business, whatever it was. And I carry this iron. And the next night, oh my God. the next night I felt I had to bring something else. I couldn't walk out again with an iron. So I brought a bag of groceries with me. And I asked the guy in the front row, I said, I'm sorry, I thought I'd have a chance to go home first. Would you mind holding these for me till I'm finished? Ugh. Yeah. It was, happy. <laughs> it was such a it was so much trouble that by the time I got up to carrying an ironing board with me I just stopped the whole thing yeah, that's, that's the problem idea. with yeah. props guys yeah. leave, I can't believe the trouble no it's I know I can't trouble. believe the effort that like yeah Carrot Top and those guys Gallagher I mean Gallagher's got to send an advance team he got uh, Lenny Schultz used to do that it would take him an go hour crazy to set Lenny. Up, go crazy Lenny it would take him an hour to set up a table more pigs Lenny yeah. <laughs> there was go nothing more depression than watching Lenny Schultz clean up afterwards. <laughs> As people are people are realizing, water, right? people are looking at their bills, realizing they just paid twelve bucks for a Rolling Rock, and he's in a speedo bathing suit picking up his props, right. shoving like, a grapefruit down his pants. That's, that's the album cover. Doing. That's yeah. why I left show business. <laughs> Lenny Schultz cleaning up the stage. The saddest, <laughs> yeah, it's the saddest thing. The saddest thing known to man. People are paying their bill while he's in the background. Oh God, because he used to. End up in in a green speedo bathing suit, right? Like, Covered with all kinds of shit. Yeah, sitting right. in like in a baby pool, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he would juggle water. He would take two bowls of water. This oh. he would pass out plastic to the front row. God bless him, because you'd be soaked by the end of a show. Yeah, that's what you need. You want to take a date and you're soaked. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the first night I met him. I was at Catch. He was he was in the middle of having an argument he with would his do shirt. That. Catch a rising star. Yeah, like yeah, the whole yeah. thing. Oh, it's uh, small he, place. He had challenged the bag of garbage to a wrestling match. On stage, he hurt his back wrestling with a bag of garbage. But wasn't he a wrestling school teacher? Or something he was a phys ed too? teacher. Yeah, yeah, he was a phys ed teacher. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> and he was in pretty good shape, but the garbage got the best of him. Yeah, the first time <laughs> I saw him, he was. Uh, he was probably pushing 60, you know, so, but he was in great yeah. shape for that age. And he was the bionic chicken. Yeah. Well, oh, he, was he really? Yeah, he I came out on stage he, as a chicken. He came he, down he, in Florida and tried to open up a club for a little while with just him as the only only act and unfortunately he was like in Tampa far away from any Jews you know what I mean it's like you're on the wrong side of the yeah, state yeah you gotta be Jewish to get that humor it's like yeah. such a sick guy he's still he's in Florida I'm friends with his oh, son Mark oh he is yeah. in Florida yeah I know I, I've met yeah. Mark well, it's funny I was walking in the village and I saw Mark and he came up to me and said I'm, I'm Lenny Schultz's son I'm like wow. yeah he's a really nice so I guy I give him a hug you know, I feel like you know the guy yeah really nice guy Absolutely. real nice guy yeah, yeah real nice guy yeah, it's it's always that's the funniest shit that you bring up those kind of names because you did some hill stuff, right? You were up in and the Catskills. The I Catskills. spent so much time there. When I, well, Milton Berle was my sponsor in the Friars Club. That's how I got started writing for a lot of the guys. You know, uh, I would go up there to the hotels. In those days, the hotels were thriving. How'd you meet Milton Berle? Comics. It was the early forties. I met Milton at, <laughs> at a Friars roast. You like my dildo pen? At, 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 at a Friars? No, because I wrote a joke. I said if Berle's cock had a blonde wig, it could pass for Paul Williams. <laughs> 
and and he wanted to know who said. He said, "It's funny because when I met Paul, I couldn't tell him that joke. I could not tell him that joke. I just he would love it though, probably, but I respected him too much to tell him that joke. That that's how I met Milton Berle. So he he liked that joke, and he came up to you and said, "Can you write stuff for me?" No, he said, "Who wrote the Burl's cock joke?" And then Dick Capri did the joke at the Friars Roast. And he brought me over to meet him, and 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 that's how I met Milton, and we became friends. And it took me a while till he let me write for him. I was writing a lot of shit for him, and it was a buddy. Hackett roast and he had invited me down to Atlantic City to come and join him with my wife at the time and three days before he calls me up and he says tell me two of the jokes that you wrote like to see if I'm uh, they were funny enough to bring me down because he was paying for my trip to Atlantic City. <laughs> and so now I'm on the phone. I have to fucking impress Milton Berle with jokes. Right. right? They is... got a tick free ticket. You got to pull out the Paul Williams material for that. Sure. And he said, <laughs> and he said, well, clean or dirty. And, and he said, one of each. And I said, well, it, it took Buddy. The clean joke was, I think, it took Buddy a long time to get used to the fact that girls are supposed to close their eyes when they kiss you. Not when they're introduced. <laughs> and then he said, what's the dirty joke? And I said, it wasn't really dirty. I said, a lot of people like to think of Buddy Hackett as a little man with a rubber face, but I prefer to think of him as a little rubber with a man's face. <laughs> and, he and that was said, it. You're and he said, pack your bags. You're coming to Atlantic Kev, City. You're in show business. You're in show business. And that's, that's how, how it happened. That's how I got to hang out with Burl. That's how it happened. Well, you got you packed your trunk. You I packed my big pens. <laughs> the big pens. Is that, uh, is that, is that Mott's in your pocket? Look, Milton, a giant pen. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey Gurian's in studio with us. ComedyMattersTV.com and at Jeffrey Gurian. Artie Lang next weekend. That's March 7th and 8th at Caroline's. April 5th at the Ridgefield Playhouse in Connecticut. The new book is Crash and Burn, new on paperback. And The Tonight Show. That's Wednesday, March 12th yeah. for Artie Lang. Yeah. Unbelievable. Great to see you again, buddy. Thanks, guys. This was fun and I appreciate it. I'm, uh, I'm so happy that everything's going good for you, too. Everybody's rooting for you. Thanks, Ron. Uh, I can't wait for the new special. Jeffrey, always good to see you, buddy. Always good to see you, too, brother. Yeah. And uh, we'll be back in here tomorrow. See you guys then. Take care. Thanks, guys. Uh, that's the end of my show. Dog. Soon it'll be filled with park and cars. I watched it for a little while. I love to watch things on TV Satellite of love Satellite of love Satellite of love Satellite of I've been told that you've been bold With Harry, Mark and John Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday through Thursday with Harry, Mark, and John. Satellites gone up to the skies. Things like that drive me out of my mind. I watched it for a little while. I love to watch things on TV Satellite of love Satellite of love Satellite of love Satellite of love
satellite.